live from the 607, it's the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour, where we're talking everything movies, TV, comics, and entertainment. Join in the conversation on social media with the hashtag ODPH, because here we go. Welcome back for another edition of the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. What is going on, everybody? Thank you so much for joining us this week. My name is Ken M, and returning in studio yet again, you know him. He is the co-host. His name is Padawan J. Hello, hello, hello. Folks, we have a lot, and I mean a lot, to talk about in the land of movies, TV, and comics. And more. Yeah, there's a thing or two. Oh, we finally were gifted a gift that we wanted for a long time. Yeah, that somebody probably lost a job over leaking. Oh, facts. And we will get into that in just a second. But we just want to remind you to join in the conversation with us. Head on over to odphpodcast.com where you can find all our social media links to Facebook, Instagram, Twitter, Podchaser, Apple Podcasts. Drop that five-star review while you follow. Check out the T Public store where there's always merch uh, that you need to have in your life. And got to keep an eye out, too, for maybe some new designs coming out. We don't know. Maybe, maybe. Parlay Points got new blogs up daily uh, coming this week. And you know what? All that and so much more. ODPHpodcast.com. And always remember to use the hashtag ODPHpod. But let us waste no more time. I, You know, I was going to try doing a longer intro, but no. We have to get right into it. The gift that Marvel fans have been waiting for finally arrived. Mm-hmm. A lot of hype has been behind this, and as Pat alluded to, somebody got in probably a lot of trouble for this. Uh, not a lot of trouble, a shitload of trouble, because as was uh, known across the internet, uh, the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home debuted on Monday. Uh, it leaked, uh, what was it, earlier that day, a couple days ago, mm-hmm. uh, with the person who leaked it leaving their watermark, uh, because they presumably worked for the VFX company that did some of the effects for the trailer. Uh, and they left their watermark on said trailer. So they're going to know who leaked it, and, well, that person's in trouble. Yes. <laughs> to, to put it mildly. You're going to have to quote the kid from Simpsons. Uh-oh, I'm in danger. Yeah, that was not the smartest thing to do, in my opinion. Uncle Kevin Feige's knocking on your door as we speak. Yeah, I would not want Kevin Feige looking for me angry. Feige squad, go. Yeah. it's You don't mess with the head of the Marvel <laughs> Cinematic Universe. Yeah. It's just it's not worth it, folks. It's just not. But we were finally blessed with the trailer for one of the most, if not the most anticipated film of 2021. It, it's up there. It, it's, uh, there's a couple contenders I know. You know, A lot of people are looking forward to Dune. Uh, some other folks are looking forward to see what the hell happens with Matrix 4, if that even comes out this year. I'm thinking not. Uh, but no, yeah, this is, this is certainly like top three most anticipated movies. Yes, yeah, Spider-Man No Way Home is going to hit theaters presumably in December. Mm-hmm. I mean, obviously there's been a lot of shakeups going on. So we are saying, as of right now, it is penciled in for December. Yeah. And this is going to have a whole lot of ramifications for the next phase of the Marvel Cinematic Universe moving forward. Tom Holland resumes his role as Peter Parker. And last time we saw him in his own film, well, (laughs) things were not going well from Far From Home. No. He was exposed as being Spider-Man by Mysterio. We had the return of J.K. Simmons as J. Jonah Jameson. About goddamn time. Which definitely had fans ecstatic yeah. and raising a lot of questions yeah. because uh, J.K. Simmons has always been involved in the original Sony movies. Yeah, and, and the character, especially with pro, pro, uh, post-Spider-Man 1, the character's really really been modeled after J.K. Simmons, if you think about it. It's, it's kind of taken the uh, Sam Jackson, Nick Fury role where, like, the, you know, pre- 
you know everything with Marvel and that like it it was a whole character differently, but now it's it's so seminal with looking like Sam Jackson. Just the way the character of J Jonah Jameson is portrayed, even down to the PlayStation Four game that came out, you know where he was he was running his podcast in the game. It's now you don't ever see him, you know you see a picture, but you don't ever see him. But the voice you hear throughout the game isn't J.K. Simmons, but it sounds a hell of a lot like J.K. Simmons. Oh, absolutely. So when he debuted in Far From Home, that got everybody talking. Obviously, this year has been dominated by a lot of what we see on Disney+. Plus, mm-hmm. And WandaVision got that ball rolling with the whole multiverse talk. Yep. It is now spun into Loki and is now going to be tying into this next Spider-Man film, mm-hmm. which all roads now lead to Doctor Strange uh, 2 when that comes out. Yeah. So... We have to break down this trailer because there is a lot to digest. It's a teaser trailer, but still, there is a lot going on. Let's say it's a teaser trailer already breaking records. Uh, The previous record for uh, all-time views uh, was set by Avengers Endgame uh, back in uh, 2019, uh, more than than two years ago, uh, which the trailer got 289 million views over the course of its first day online. Uh, no way home has absolutely demolished the shit out of that record, mm. uh, accumulating, uh, 355.5 million trailer views in 24 hours. Yo. Insane. But the fan base has been waiting for it. So we definitely have to talk about it. So if you haven't seen it for whatever reason, I'm sure you probably have if you're listening to the show, but in case you haven't, we do talk spoilers about this. So we're giving you fair warning. We're going to start deep diving into the trailer for Spider-Man No Way Home. You have been fair warned because once the countdown's done, we kick off. So in three, two, one. Pad, what did you think? I thought this trailer was absolutely phenomenal, and it might be my favorite movie trailer since, uh, you know, the Avengers Endgame trailer was was real good. But, like, even from the first Force Awakens trailer which got me all sorts of hyped. I've legitimately watched this trailer maybe 25, 30 times. I love it that much, and I cannot wait to see this. You wanted Mephisto. You got him, folks. Uh-huh. Well, we will deep dive into this, but yeah, the long-rumored Marvel villain is in this film, in my opinion. Uh-huh. Lock it in. They're not showing it, but if you know the comics and you look at what's going on, you can connect the dots. Absolutely. Because as the trailer kicks off, we have a nice little scene with Pete and MJ. Mary Jane Watson played once again by Zendaya. And they're on a rooftop, so they're having kind of a talk and just having a moment to themselves. Yeah, because as we know, like we said from the last movie, uh, things in his life have kind of gone down the crapper. Absolutely. And as we see a quick recap of J. Jonah Jameson feeding the mob mentality, his anti-Spider-Man views are now going all over social media and really dominating Times Square because now Peter Parker essentially has become public enemy number one. I mean, J. Jonah Jameson is using every billboard in Times Square, putting up a graph with his, it's his head talking, but then it cuts to a graphic of, of Peter with half of his face in a Spider-Man mask. And and then the text flashes up, public enemy number one. Yes. So obviously this day and age of social media is really taking a big factor in this movie. And we do see that Peter Parker has been arrested for the murder of Mysterio from Far From Home. Mm -hmm. And the police officers are telling him it was your drones that did this because Peter's trying to explain to him, no, he did this to himself. It was all a setup. Yep. And he's really pleading the honest truth as he knows it. 
but they're not buying it. And nope. then we do see a mysterious figure slam a bunch of files on a desk in front of Peter. Yeah. And obviously, we yeah. have our opinions who it is. So, mm-hmm. Pat? Uh, one Daredevil. Yes. Uh, Matt Murdock. I agree with you. I think we now have Charlie Cox in the MCU, which it's been ru- give it to me. It's been rumored for a long time that Daredevil would be making an appearance in this film. They are able to use said character now. When they were writing the script for the film, they were able to use said character without getting any in any sort of legal trouble. Uh, you know, and plus, there's been a couple instances for reshoots where Charlie Cox and Tom Holland have been spotted in the same town, which is a little conspicuous. Yes. Uh, but yeah, just based on the fact of it's the typical uh, wardrobe you would see Matt Murdock wear, uh, and they're not showing the head, uh, one would lead you to believe it's, it's uh, Daredevil. Yes, which, about time. About time. Like, let's stop kidding around about it. The Netflix universe is part of the MCU, no matter what they want to try telling you otherwise. And then we kind of get a little shot of Peter, well, trying to accept what has happened because now he is public enemy number one, as we touched upon. And he's walking into the courthouse, as it appears. And there is somebody on the side of the barricade because there's a quite the big mob. Well, no, I think this is his school. I, th- I think this is outside his school because just the sequence of events, like you said, there's the mob outside of the building. There's a guy holding what looks like his high school photo. Uh, let's drawn a cartoonish uh, handlebar mustache and then the little goatee at the bottom attached red devil horns. And it says devil in disguise. He's got Ned walking behind him. There's a police uh, MJ's there holding his hand, you know, police escort the whole nine. But then you cut to back to them talking because it's cutting back and forth between them FaceTiming mm. each other with him presumably on a date with her or just trying to have a good afternoon with her. And he's on top of one of the bridges in New York. And there's like five helicopters, presumably news choppers surrounding him just because, Hey, everyone knows who he is. And then the next thing you see is him walking into school. See, the only reason I thought it was courthouse is the amount of police that are with him. And then they just let him go right into school. Like nothing happened. Yeah. So that's what I said. I'm a little confused by it, but Hey, it could be the court or it could be school. And I wouldn't doubt it too, because as we see, everybody's got their cell phone out. He's now public enemy. Number one, and everybody's keeping an eye on him, too. And it was very interesting to see that whole devil uh, in disguise sign. Hmm. I think that's a little more foreshadowing hmm. of things, just putting that out there. And as we see a little shot of Marissa Tomei reprising her role as Aunt May. and there's Cops are outside. Cops are outside. So, like I said, he has a big police presence. We do see his partner in crime, good old Ned uh, being interrogated to Jacob Batlin is back as Ned Leeds. Yeah. Uh, so you do see the the cast is there and trying to deal with what has happened because now it's been exposed that he is Spider Man and there is this kind of weird scene where he's looking at Halloween lights. Yep. But they look like Doctor Strange wearing a witch hat. Yep. And I know that's a little bit of foreshadowing because of who's in this movie. Mm-hmm. But Pat, at this moment, what is your kind of take on what's going on? Uh, it, it kind of feels like it's almost an epilogue if we're talking book terms for the last movie where it's it's kind of dealing with the fallout and what's been going on that presumably he's trying all sorts of ways to mend fences and, and atone for what went on, even though he really did nothing wrong. Uh, and it's just going to utter shit that like he has no peace. Of, he's, a, he's a kid who likes peace and quiet that mm-hmm. like he does what he has to and he t- and he's your friendly neighborhood Spider-Man. But he does like a little peace and quiet and, and having some time to himself and his friends and his family. And he has no waking moment now where he can have that outside of being on a rooftop. And even then, if a uh, helicopter spots him, he's instantly like, oh, hover. There he is. There he is. Like, the kid cannot live as a kid. No. At this moment, I just start having flashbacks to the Civil War comic. Mm-hmm. When he came out 
and did the whole thing in the press conference where he took off his mask because he was deciding with Tony Stark at the time. And just this whole ramification. I just get, though, that Civil War vibe from it. Uh-huh. And it's kind of a weird thing because if you know that comic series, everybody has a reaction to it. Yep. I don't want to deep dive into that. Yep. But I want to say if you want to go back in time and read that, I a lot of those themes are going to be played out in this movie, in my opinion. I think it's going to have a direct impact on a couple different comic stories that they're going to just intertwine together because once we get this movie going, there's a lot of stories they're combining in this film. Mm-hmm. I don't know how I feel about that. If you know me very well, I usually like maybe one or two mixed in. Sure. Anytime you start dancing around three, you start teetering on the line of Ben Affleck Daredevil. I don't see. I don't. But mind. I'm but I'm not getting that vibe just yet. No, yeah. See, I don't mind them intertwining multiple stories as long as it's not whole stories. If you're borrowing little bits and little pieces from there and just kind of weaving it together where it makes sense. I'm all right with that. As long as it's played out good, I'm okay with it. That's just the only thing is it's very hard to juggle that because sure. we've seen other movie franchises do this. Like I said, the Ben Affleck Daredevil movie tried juggling three at once. Yeah. Failed epically. Yeah. We saw this with Batman vs Superman. Enough said. Too many stories all at once, especially two iconic stories. Too many cooks, too many cooks. Exactly, which is one thing I kind of fear here, but if they're just lightly touching upon each one... That's what I think they're doing. It's okay, but like I say, as we start going, because the Civil War vibes kick in a lot of different reactions for me, being a longtime Spider-Man reader. and But as we see the lights on the Halloween, this now kicks in my theory about Mephisto. Mm-hmm. Because now we go to Doctor Strange... And his sanctum. And, and my big question, why the fuck is the sanctum covered in snow? Hell froze over. Ooh, I didn't think of that one. Uh, that was the first thing I thought because, one, why is he wearing his cape over his uh, hooded sweatshirt? Although, shout and, out shout out Marvel comfy clothes. Yes. like I, MCU, Marvel comfy universe. I mean, I'm sure they're going to explain it. And, I mean, he is the master of the mystic arts, so I'm sure something's going on. But his mannerisms, he, what, as we see in this scene. Uh-huh. Is something Benedict Cumberbatch is back playing Stephen Strange, but everything about this, yeah, just reeked, yeah, of Mephisto. Yeah, he, he it doesn't appear to be Stephen Strange as we know him. It, it things appear to be a little off. Just the way he's he's talking and his facial expressions that it's just like Strange normally isn't this calm or relaxed about things that like. Obviously, different circumstances, but he was ready to go to the nines when he hauled Thor in there during Thor 3. Like, he doesn't take things along. Like, oh, hey, hi, how you doing? What's going on? Like, he's normally very serious, and he's got that, like, doctor mentality of, all right, let's get this done. Yeah, so this was a very big tell to me. Because, like I said, the first action you see snow inside the sanctum, I'm like, oh, hell froze over, and that's how he's here. It was just how this was all playing, because it's like, this just doesn't make sense. And granted... Doctor Strange is a weird book to read. Yeah. There's no way to sugarcoat it. It is what it is. Not doubting it, but it just kind of had that kind of Mephisto vibe, and especially once you start digging into the mannerisms, as, mm-hmm. as we see, because we see uh, his faithful assistant, uh, Benedict Wong, reprising his role as Wong, mm-hmm. uh, and trying to warn him about casting a spell. Yep. And he's saying, don't do it. And that's when you see that devilish smirk and he winks as he's like, after he tells Wong he won't do it, he yeah. now starts to. Yeah, because the spell uh, uh, Doctor Strange is talking about casting is to help Peter because Peter comes to him going, hey, listen, when Mysterio revealed my identity to the world, it ruined my life. You know, it's causing a lot of harm for people. Is there any way you can change that? And presumably he goes, oh, yeah, there's a spell I can do, blah, blah, blah. And Wong is like, no, 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 no. Don't do that spell. 
But first, I got to leave and go do something. I'm Leonidas. He's got to go fight a certain uh, abomination in over uh, in another part of the world. But uh, who knows? Yeah, that might be tying into it. I, w- I would be. not doubt that. Could be. Could be showing up for a cage match. Uh, but then he's like, oh, like you said, oh yeah, no, I won't cast that spell. Wink, wink. Yeah, I mean, just that whole sequence was like, okay, something's definitely not right here. Yeah, because I feel like normally Strange would be like, well, why shouldn't I cast that spell? Like, he would just go, okay, yeah, I won't do it. Wink. He'd ask, because he's a doctor. He's thorough. Like, he doesn't half-ass things. Yeah, it was just way too easy for him to play up. And as you see that they're going now into this dark sanctum in the bottom of Doctor Strange's home. Yeah. And it's just more of an eerie vibe of what's going on because Strange is just saying, I need to focus on this spell. And you see him messing around and Peter is pleading with him about like, well, not everybody needs to have me forget because his whole idea was going to Dr. Strange and saying, can you please make people forget I'm Spider-Man so I can get my life back? Which he's doing, but the kind of tail end of that is everyone's going to forget your Spider-Man. So MJ is going to forget everything. Ned's going to forget everything. Aunt May is going to forget everything. And he's like, no, wait, these are people that all should know at some point. And the spell don't work like that. And he won't, Peter won't shut up for five minutes. And Strange keeps going, you're interfering with the spell. You're interfering with the spell, which could just be, you know, a cover. You know, he could, he could just be marinating him to just like, oh, I'm really going to screw with things and and do what I want to do. I mean, it also could just be the fact that, like, the spell needs utter concentration and Peter not shutting up for five minutes hurts that. Yeah, exactly. But I just think it's more Mephisto messing with him. Probably. Because, as we see, they go into the bottom of the basement. He's messing around doing incantations. Incarnations? Incantations. Thank you. And we're seeing now lights are going all over the place, and now he's tapped into the multiverse. Yeah, and it looks like the room itself gets shredded around him just because everything except for the little bit of area around where they're standing. So the other part of the floor past that and the walls and the ceiling are just all gone. Mm -hmm. And and I know probably this is a question that is going to get asked is, okay, well, how does this tap into the multiverse? And I'm thinking that Mephisto wanted a gateway in. Mm Mm-hmm. What better way than somebody that's traveled throughout everything that's happened with the Infinity Stones? Could be. And that he's been exposed a little bit to the people that have been around well, him. Well, especially there's the one line in the trailer that where Strange says, you know, we, we messed with time and space, and who better to rip into another dimension or another timeline mm. than somebody who had control over the power of the time stone? Yeah. So, like I say, there's different ways to use this, but I think he's trying to use... Peter Parker as the lightning rod. I mean, let's face it. Captain Marvel is the most powerful physical uh, being in the universe. Yes. I would say mystically, you know, the uh, the mind and of the mystic arts, Strange is most powerful. Yes. Oh, without question. But if Mephisto is trying to mimic him and obviously use Peter Parker to get something Mm -hmm. and to figure that that might be a gateway into the multiverse... Like, I'm sure they're going to deep dive into that a little more, but, I mean, who else but the most gullible guy of the Avengers? Well, and it could just be a case of, of Mephisto wants something done, and Peter's just the most convenient pathway of doing it. It's almost like, you know, the the, the method to what he wants done is just falls into his lap. And he goes, well, shit, this is convenient. This is exactly going to help me with what I want. Yes. And as we see now, Doctor Strange is talking to Peter about, well, we've now tapped into the spell. And we've now gone into the multiverse, which we don't know a lot about. We know frighteningly little of. Now, I'm not the brightest bulb in the box. Sure. I do admit this. If you don't know what you're tampering with and you're the Mister or master of mystic arts, why are you even going near this? See, that's why I think 
Doctor Strange normally wouldn't do it. Exactly. Because let's remember, during Avengers Endgame, Tony went up to him and goes, is this the one event? Is this the one timeline where we can win? And Strange wouldn't tell him. Yeah. Because he knows, if I tell him, that will branch off and create another timeline that might not be the one that we win, and I don't know what's going to happen. So Strange understands how timelines work in different timelines. So why would Strange then go, and however many years this is later after Endgame, going, oh, yeah, let's mess with the timelines. Exactly. That's what Mephisto was awakened during the snap. He got all those souls that died and then were taken away from him, so now he's gone back to Earth to try to reclaim like, them. There's been at least like three, four incidents I could have awakened Mephisto at oh, this point. Oh, yeah, but that's the big one because that's what I say. He wants to get that souls because that's what he feeds off of. I mean, that's yeah. what he does. Yeah. And he's now playing a game with somebody that is desperate for help, tying into one of the most infamous stories of all of comics. Mm-hmm. One more day. Yep. Now, if you have not read that, I will give you fair warning. It's not for everybody. If you're a fan of Peter and MJ, you're going to get real angry. If you don't really care about them as a married couple, then you're going to probably really enjoy it. There's there's going to be ramifications that come out of this and I'm not and I'm talking specifically for Peter because the thing with One More Day is like it takes place after Civil War in the comics. Yes. The world has learned Peter's uh identity and he wants to change that because it's causing, as in the film, absolute hell for him. Oh, yeah. And so Mephisto comes along. If I'm not mistaken, Mephisto comes along and goes, hey, I can make you forget about, you know, I can make everyone forget that you're Spider-Man, but there's one catch. You'll no longer be married to MJ. Yeah. He wants their marriage because he knows that will hurt him the most. Because he never does anything half-assed. There's always a catch. No. And like I said, it's one of the most controversial moments in uh, Spider-Man history. Rightfully so. I am personally not a fan of it. I did not like that series. It's right below the Clone Saga as my oh. most hated moment in Spider-Man history. Note that to get you that for Christmas. Yep. I know. I'm sure I'm going to get like probably trade paperbacks out the wazoo for saying that. But it's but it's honest. Like The artwork's amazing. But the whole vibe about this was the play to get Mephisto to rectify everything. Yeah. And I mean, like I said, if you've read that moment from Civil War and to do maybe a little more spoilerish moments, there is something that happens... In this movie, I think that is going to be a domino effect to something that happened in the comics. Mm-hmm. Because as we see a little further in the trailer, we do see Happy Hogan yeah. involved. John Favreau reprises his role. Yep. And it looks like he has guns drawn on him. I mean, they've tried killing him before. Right. I don't think if they killed him at this point. I don't think they'll I don't think they'll kill him in a non Marvel movie. Like this is a Sony movie, let's not forget. Right. But I also think that this might tie into how in the comics Aunt May was attacked. Oh, I see where you're going. That maybe Aunt May is around happy or there's an Mm, attack on... They are dating. Yes, that something happens. And my theory is we do see in this trailer Spider-Man with a black suit. Yep. It is torn. Yep. So I know my initial reaction was I thought it was Venom. No. I think... They're going to be doing the back in black story, well, maybe, which ties into one more day because of what happens in the comics to Aunt May that causes Peter to go off the deep end. Yeah, could be, and then leads into Mephisto coming to find him. Could be. I mean, I know a lot of people are just simply thinking it's the stealth suit, to which I go, eh, it could be. But also the scene where we see him wearing the, this black suit, it's the middle of the goddamn day. Yes, wearing all hint. Wearing all black in the middle of the day does not make you like Drax. You are not invisible. Oh, I know. 
But to see him run around in that suit. Yeah, no, you're right. It could be. That was a telling sign because when I saw those guns drawn on Happy Hogan, who do you think would do such a thing? I mean, I can think of one person, but they've not introduced him in the movies yet. Who? Uh, Kingpin. Exactly. And, and D'Onofrio has said he wants to reprise the role in a Marvel film, and he wants to be in a Spider-Man film. That's my prediction. That's my leap that D'Onofrio's in this. I have not. Re- I've read several things about certain actors and actresses showing up in the same town. Uh, in, in fact, some of them being photographed together uh, during reshoots of, of this film. I have not seen anything about D'Onofrio. So, don't know. I think it's a leap, but I think maybe you'll hear the name Wilson Fisk is responsible. Yo, if we hear Wilson Fisk, like, we don't even see him. If we just hear the goddamn name or see the logo for his company, I'm going to lose it. If you have Charlie Cox in this, you know. You have to. He's lurking. You have to. And that's why I think, because I think how they shot this is very well with the trailer. They jumped around. And you know what? They could tie it in, because in the Ultimate Spider-Man comics, there was one point where Fisk... Fisk was on the up and up. Everyone thought he was a good guy, even though we all know different. But in the Ultimate Comics, there was a point where he he got exposed and got ex- and got exposed for the criminal mastermind he is and what he was a kingpin and everything. And he went off and he hid on an island until things got fixed. Could write it in that that's where he was and why we haven't seen him till this point. Mm-hmm. There's a lot going on there. And when I saw that suit and I saw Happy having guns drawn on him, I'm like. Who would do such a thing? Because you can't imagine, you know, the feds or any sort of, like, government agency would do that just to capture Spider-Man. Exactly. That That's just so not their MO. Somebody wanted to do it. And who else that wants to get back in the good graces of New York than Wilson Fisk, who yeah. says, I brought your public enemy number one to justice. Mark the tape, folks. And they and they said that uh, Endgame was the most ambitious crossover of all time. I'm telling you, that's the first vibe I got when I'm going, oh my God, they're going to do Back in Black. And that's what leads to one more day. It's all connected. Hit me up on OD Parlay Hour if you agree about that. But we get back to the trailer and then we do see the world kind of molding in together and Doctor Strange is explaining about the multiverse and now he's riding a train and it kind of echoes uh, Doctor Strange number one when, yeah. they, when they do the... Uh, world caving in and kind of everything slipping around. Yeah, and we start to get a glimpse of some certain individuals that will be making an appearance in this movie. Uh, it's kind of a known thing at this point if you haven't figured it out. Sinister Six is going to be in this movie. Uh, we do see a bunch of cops and news uh, vans sitting like New York One is there, Daily Bugle's there along with some cops. Lightning strike! A lightning strike hits the ground. Uh, presumably, that is Jamie Fox as Electro. Uh, also, J.B. Smoove kind of let out that, yeah, Jamie Foxx is in this movie. He's my favorite villain in the movie. Uh, but then it also appears that there is a, a bit of a sandstorm going on. Yes. Which is a little interesting. Uh, cuts to an action sequence of, I don't know what the hell this is. It looks like some sort of train sequence where they're standing on there. And then Dr. Strange looks like he duplicates the train car. And he makes it some sort of protection thing. And they go sailing off into the middle of nowhere. It's weird. Doctor Strange pulls off that like thing the Eternal One does, where he knocks Peter out of the body that he, you know he did with that she did with Strange, and then mm-hmm. and then the Hulk. You know, it's it's all sorts of wild. Yeah, the soul leaves the body. Soul leaves the body. We see Peter in the Iron Spider costume, which looks all sorts of awesome. Oh yeah, might I just say? Uh, we get to the scene that Ken mentioned, where it's you know some sort of buildings collapsed, and and Happy's in the car with. Uh, a bunch of soldiers with guns and laser sights attached to them. And he's like, oh, shit, what's going on? Then we get the one that a lot of people missed. 
Yes, I, I will admit, I missed his first watch. And a lot of people didn't catch it. It's a quick glimpse and you miss it. If you're watching the trailer, specifically the one from Sony Pictures Entertainment, it's about the, tw- if you put your, your timer at the tw- 2 minutes and 20 second mark, you'll miss it. You'll get it. Uh, specifically, it happens about 224, 227, somewhere in there. It's a quick glimpse and you blink and you miss it scene where Peter is someplace. You can't really tell where. He's in a uh, suit and shirt, presumably for maybe a court case, you mm-hmm. know, if he's in, been interrogated by police. Uh, and something comes out of the shadow and gets thrown at him and, or starts trying to claw at him. And a lot of people, myself included, are thinking this is Lizard. Yeah, because that was long rumored to have been eventually coming for the Sam Raimi universe. Uh-huh. So not yep. doubting that one bit. Yep. So then you get another shot of more lightning hit the ground. Uh, it and, and it could be dirt getting thrown up in the air. It also could be sand. Who's to say? And then we get the first shock of the trailer, which he, let's just say this. This individual was very more tight-lipped about it than uh, Alfred Molina was. Facts. Uh, people asked, asked him about it, but he never said one way or the other. Uh, he just said, I'm very busy these days. What can I say? But you cut to a scene on the bridge where there's smoke rising in the background, cars look abandoned, and you see a pumpkin bomb mm-hmm. hit the ground. And it goes rolling across the, fl- the ground, and it explodes. And whose voice do you hear laughing in the background? Willem Defoe as the Green Goblin. Yep, I'm banking that's Norman Osborn. Uh-huh. So you got that going on. Uh, and then you have Peter standing there looking at a car in his suit, and he looks all sort of stoic and serious off in the distance. What's going on? And then you see a, an octopus arm, a uh, mechanical octopus arm come out, hit the ground, and then it retracts back. And then you just see Alfred Molina in the Doc Ock costume. Hello, Peter. Although I'm willing to bank, this is my lock. He's not saying that to Tom Holland. You might be right. Because the way this, I mean, play now, this could just be the, in the movie that it's reversed. Because after this, we see Peter on the, on the roof of a car doing the Spider-Man pose and then he puts the suit on. So that scene could be reversed where attacks, puts on the suit, hello, Peter, because he recognizes the, the logo. I'm thinking, though, that he's seeing uh, Toby Toby Maguire. Because why Why would he, he I think in, a, in every other instance of a multiverse and characters crossing over, they see some new character, they go, who the heck is this? They don't recognize him a little bit. They're like, I recognize but I don't, I think he's seeing Toby Maguire. That makes a lot of sense. And because in the Sam, let's not forget, in the Sam Raimi universe, he's dead. Yeah. He dies at the end of Spider-Man 2, which, again, comics, nobody ever stays dead. But I think if if this fabric of time and space has been ripped apart, you've got these villains from other movies crossing over, that it's not out of the realm of possibility that characters from those movies will be crossing over, like an MJ from Sam Raimi, like a like a Spider-Man from Sam Raimi, that they're there going, oh, my God. you know. If, and I swear to God, if, if Tobey Maguire and Andrew Garfield are in this movie and they don't recreate the meme, I'm going to throw something. They'll do the meme. They have to. They did it in the goddamn video game. Yeah, they'll do, they'll, they'll do the meme. But I'm thinking that at this point, Tobey Maguire is there and he sees Toby and Toby might say something effective, you know, Doc Doc. Hello. P- hello, Peter. Yeah. I mean, that's a great theory. The one thing is with the multiverse, there's endless possibilities for it. It could be something when the worlds merge or whatever Mephisto does, mm-hmm. bringing the variations of Spider-Man and his villains to one place. They might see him as Toby. Like It's kind of a weird thing, but I could definitely see Alfred Molina's character looking at Tom Holland and seeing Tobey Maguire. Sure. It just it, it might just be how it resonates in his eyes. Like it's It could be something weird like that. 
So yeah. either way, though, absolutely insane. This movie's going to be fucking nuts. Like, yeah. And we've said before, Sony has had a hard-on for doing a Sinister Six movie for two decades, I think, at this point. Oh, my God, yeah. They wanted to do one with the Sam Raimi films. You can, If you just look at the way they were setting that, those films up, you could tell. Mm-hmm. Introducing uh, Green Goblin first then you did doc ock in the second one and then you did uh venom and you had sandman and then hobgoblin a little bit in the third one but then the fourth one was planned for vulture and lizard vulture and lizard yeah hello setting up for sinister six then you look at what they did with amazing spider-man 2 and the care and the villains they had for that one again hello sinister six yeah they've been trying for literally two decades to do this and it looks like they're finally going to pull it off and it's going to be amazing well this is the thing if you're going to do it do it right and you now have an explanation to put it in your Marvel Cinematic Universe. Like, I know, I understand they're calling it the Spider-Man Universe now or whatever. Like, yeah. listen, it is MCU at the end of the day. No questions about yeah. this. They are setting up to put on an epic movie. Yeah. It's setting up for it. And, and the thing with, when you do a Sinister Six story, go over the years and, and read Sinister Six-focused stories. They're not half-assed. They are balls-to-the-wall fucking Bunkers. You look at the one that Nick Spencer's doing right now, Sinister War. Spider-Man's end of issue, spoiler, end of issue, end of issue one for Sinister War, Spider-Man has literally every villain he's ever faced coming after him. Yeah. It, and including the Sinister Six and the Savage Six. Yeah. It's fucking insane. It's wild. No, it's absolutely wild. But this is something Sony's wanted to do. So if they now get their crown jewel and they can do this movie, more power to them. Because we knew we know that Craven movie's in development. Mm-hmm. Whatever that's going to lead to, if, I don't. Who knows? Jason Momoa, please. Well, no, they already casted him. Remember? Oh yeah, that's right. Yeah, it's uh, Aaron Taylor Johnson. Oh yeah, that's right. So they are setting up the blocks to do it. So if they want to go do it. They can definitely do it. But with Spider-Man: No Way Home, they really want to get the fan base understanding that, okay, with all the drama about there was not going to be any more Spider-Man movies with Tom Holland in the MCU. And, and he and, drunkenly called Bob Iger and fixed that. Yeah, he is the hero to us right there. So Tom can do no wrong in our eyes. They're now setting up to say a love letter to the fans and saying, listen, we're going to do a lot of stuff here. We're going to do it right. And hopefully this movie pans out for everything it's built up to be. I've also seen some speculation in the last day or so since this trailer came out that Spider-Man might end up showing up in the Doctor Strange movie. And that was because, and again, people got a lot of time on their hands. But specifically, there was a place the film, the movie was filming, and then Tom Holland also posted something to social media, being there skiing mm-hmm. a couple months ago. So it's like, wait, he's in the town where they're filming Doctor Strange two at the exact same time. Yeah, so who knows? We might get Spider Man two in Doctor Strange because this this whole story of the multiverse getting ripped apart isn't gonna finish with this movie. Oh God, no! And I, and I gotta say, I do like—I don't know who who said it online, but I do like the one person who said, "Marvel Cinematic Universe, not anymore. It's the Marvel Cinematic Multiverse." Yeah, is it? Is I like—I like that name. And you know what? It works because you have so many moving parts going on with this, and when we finally see it now starting to get put together in, with this trailer, it's making sense. Oh God, yeah! Like I say, everything about this trailer has been a win. Like I said, it's one of those things that I had a feeling when WandaVision came out that like, all right. It doesn't make a lot of sense now, but it's going to be one of those things that, like, with phase one of the, of the MCU, where we were like, all right, we, they're doing solo phones. They're clearly building up to something. And then you got past Avengers 1. You're like, oh, okay, I see what they were doing. Same thing here. WandaVision, you go, all right, they're, what are they doing? But once we get past a certain point, we're going to be able to look back and go, oh, I see it now. Oh, yeah, it's all going to make sense. I mean, that's one thing with Feige and everybody aboard. They like to make sure they're very thorough with their details. They're very thorough with their details, and it's even been well documented that Feige and the and the heads at Marvel Studios 
put out this like Bible, I guess you could call it, of how to handle the multiverse going forward in the movies and TV shows. Well, you need to. So, that, so they're not going to be making this up on the fly. They've got the book down on what to do. Mm-hmm. And it's smart, too. And from what we've seen from the trailer, they're definitely doing it the right way. It's just going to be interesting to see how they do the stories from the comics here. Sure. Because obviously Zendaya and Tom Holland are not married on screen here. No. But it's going to be Mephisto trying to steal their love, and he's got, he's and that's the thing they're not married here. But he's gonna if if this plays out like the comic, he's gonna have to lose something. Yeah, and that's the thing he's definitely gonna lose everything that he loves because if this leads to where I think it does, and I I'm already calling it right now. We see the tie-in from Civil War with the identity getting revealed. Yeah, they are gonna do back in black because, like we said. They have that suit on, mm-hmm. and it's torn. And it's the middle of the goddamn day. And you know that something happens that causes Peter to wear this in the comics. Like, if you haven't read the story, the story is great. Mm-hmm. It's fantastic. It's one of my, it's, it might be one of my favorite comic stories. But you see that he puts on the black suit for a reason. And this can kind of foreshadow into Venom maybe a little bit. If they really want to try, you know, tagging Tom Hardy's franchise with this. I don't think they're going to, but you can definitely see that mm-hmm. there's going to be elements of this. Sure. That can definitely lead to something moving forward. But when they go from Civil War to Back in Black to One More Day, that's a lot of stories. Mm-hmm. I think they can pull it off because I think this trailer gave away enough yeah. that you understand something's going on. Yeah. Like I could see that MJ or MA's home was attacked. Yeah, and that's where Harry was or Happy was standing outside, and that's where he had the guns drawn on him. Yeah, so they might do something like that that causes the Back in Black moment, mm-hmm. and then you go into one more day, but that's where Peter goes to Doctor yeah. Strange, and then that's where he gets worked by yeah. Mephisto. Yeah, I mean, there's definitely a lot going on in this trailer just because it, it it's like an onion. If you just look at it on the surface, it just appears to be this movie where shit's going crazy, and, this, and there's, there's sixes here. But then you peel back the layers on those onions, and you start reading, looking a little bit further, you go, oh, there's a lot more going on here. Yeah, and it's going to be interesting to see how this all plays out because, as we saw, Benedict Wong goes away. So we're assuming that Wong is going to appear in Shang-Chi, and this is how he gets there, mm-hmm. why he's going cage fighting beyond us. But, hey. We'll find out when we watch Shang-Chi. There is a lot that ties into the MCU with this film. And I thought they delivered a home run with this. Oh, absolutely. Top to bottom. Like, this was well worth the wait. And I'm glad I ducked the bootleg footage that was released. I try, I'll i be honest. I tried finding it. And then I found it. And I'm like, I can't see shit with this. I'm just going to wait. Yeah, I just I had no intention to watch it. Because I knew Sony was going to drop it. It was just a matter of time. But we get so impatient as MCU fans. Yeah. That we need to know everything now. And, yeah, and I know a lot of people were going, you know, and I know Rich was wondering while you guys were live streaming your wrestling show, why, why did Sony decide to drop this at, you know, 9 whatever on a 9.30. Mo- 9.30 on a Monday night. CinemaCon is going on, and that's where a bunch of studios go and basically have their own convention, and they show off trailers and news and all that. That was when Sony was having their panel, and they showed off a trailer for Uncharted and, you know, all the stuff for all their movies they got going on. So there was a lot of speculation that if they were to drop a trailer, it would be at this. But the thing is, people weren't sure if it would see public because much like Marvel used to do with their San Diego Comic-Con panels, uh, you, you uh, the uh, old dudes in suits would come up and take your phone. Mm-hmm. So they, they, they were not let anybody record anything. So everyone's like, they might show something, but it might not see the public. Yeah. But we were wrong. No, we were definitely wrong. Pad, final thoughts on the trailer, man. I, I want this movie now. This movie cannot come out soon enough. I agree with you. They got a lot of moving parts with this, and that's the only thing I, I fear with it a little bit. I'm not going in this with any negative feelings. I just want them to balance everything out if they're really going to try juggling that many stories. I'm not super happy that they're doing one more day because I don't like the comic, but they're going to definitely put a spin on it. And for everybody that was like, oh, Mephisto, Mephisto, Mephisto. You're getting it. You're getting it. 
enjoy it because I think we'll find out who is actually going to be playing Mephisto after this movie. Mm. But this is definitely an introduction for him. So much going on with this trailer. Folks, hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your reaction to Spider-Man No Way Home? Trailer number one. Did you love it? Did you hate it? And what are your theories? We gave you ours. I want to hear yours. Let us know. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. Hello, I'm Anthony. And I'm Dr. Issues. And we're hosts of Capes on the Couch, the podcast where comics get counseling. Superheroes don't always get to go home happy. That's where we come in. We offer psychiatric and mental health analysis of comic book characters. So check us out at capesonthecouch.live and across all social media platforms at Capes on the Couch. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. And let us talk about one of our favorite shows returning yep. for the final season, question mark, asterisk, dot, dot, dot. Final seasons. I know it's technically one season, but with the number of episodes, it's two. It's a weird thing to try keeping track of mm-hmm. because how they're breaking up this final season of The Walking Dead, the flagship show that started the whole zombie apocalypse movement, is very interesting because they've said they were going to break it up into eight episode arcs mm-hmm. and we kicked off finally the first run of the swan song for the flagship show this past week so we are going to get into spoilers of the episode so if you haven't watched and you don't want to be spoiled we tell you to pause the episodes right here because once we get through the countdowns we go deep diving so if you haven't seen it just yet pause the episode or otherwise get ready because here we go in three two one pad what did you think? Uh, I thought it was a really great episode. wasn't necessarily action-packed like I might like, but I understand that. Uh, you got to build back into it, but nonetheless, a lot of tension that I really, really, really dug. If Jeffrey Dean Morgan wasn't on this show, I probably would have tuned out. That's entirely possible for me, too. I, I'm not going to lie about this. Everybody knows, if you're a longtime listener to the ODPH, this show has been surpassed by Fear the Walking Dead, in my opinion. I think Fear is clicking on so many cylinders right now, it's not even funny. But we've gotten to this point of the 11th season of The Walking Dead, and it's kind of like, where are we going from here? And we do start off with a very strong episode because they are going to start tying into the Braid New World saga. And if you know anything about the comics, it's it's arguably the final arc before we get to the end Mm -hmm. because there's a lot that happens with this. But this episode is literally carried on its back by Jeffrey Dean Morgan and Lauren Cohen because we do know the back history of those characters. And we finally get some like real resolution of the temp in the room here. Mm-hmm. Because we don't get that when they're, the initial response is back. We, sure. we, I mean, obviously, there's a lot going on when Maggie returned to The Walking Dead. So they've mm-hmm. been kind of waiting to do this. But this is like the first time, in my opinion, like we really get our... We really sink our teeth into this. Yeah, because when she came back last season, it was only for a couple episodes. And, and she never had that, except for a couple instances where they were on screen together, but they never talked. We never really got the play out of Maggie seeing uh, uh, Jeffrey Dean Morgan, uh, Negan, for the first time in a number of years. Mm -hmm. But this episode really kind of hits the ground running a little bit because, as we see, our group of survivors is desperate to go get supplies and food. Mm -hmm. And they decide to go infiltrate a military compound Mm -hmm. that 
is not exactly going according to plan. No, uh, and it clearly seems from the start of the episode that this is not their first rodeo doing this method of entry, I guess you could say. Mm -hmm. They they go all sort of, you know, spy mission or, or SEAL Team 6 type of thing, you know, and they sneak in through the roof and they get lowered in and they're doing hand signals and they're going around being super sneaky. Uh, all the meanwhile, the entire it looks like it was an uh, airplane hangar type of thing you would see on a military base is filled with walkers just laying there like they're taking a nap. Yeah, it's kind of an eerie scene, mm -hmm. but that's one thing. The Walking Dead, I will say, throughout the years, definitely sets up that feel. Yeah, and it's one that like you look at the room and you go, "Yeah, this ain't gonna last." Oh, exactly, and it's almost kind of gotten to the point of predictability with it. Yeah, because as we see, this group is now. I don't want to say it's on the Fast and Furious level of a fine-tuned elite fighting squad. They're, they're on their way, though. But they're kind of there. But it's you have to also remember, too, they've been doing this for so long that going and raiding for supplies has almost become second nature. Mm -hmm. As we see him going through this you know, hallway underground and seeing the bodies are just wrapped up in plastic, we definitely know that something has happened and this is not yeah. good. Yeah, And we do see that... Well, once they start getting woken up, this doesn't turn out good for anybody. Nope. But we do see the battles back and forth, and, I mean, this is kind of typical Walking Dead stuff. So it really isn't a lot that had me jumping out of my chair at the beginning. No, and, and you can really tell how desperate they are because at this point they're on a military base, and they're stealing it. They, they're opening crates, and they're taking ready-to-eat rations that the military uses. And I know any any vets, and salute to you, uh, mm -hmm. that were watching, or active duty, which, again, salute to you, Facts. folks. Salute. Uh, we're sitting there cringing and going, oh, dear God. Uh, for those of you who don't know at home, uh, ready-to-eat rations are what the, the folks give the military to eat when they're in the field. And, well, uh, without getting too gross, they'll, fi they'll fill you up and, and they'll get you by for eating, but they'll also back you up in certain ways. Yeah, it's one of those situations. Down that south. In, in the zombie apocalypse, beggars can't be choosers. No. you got to survive in what you get. So you I'm know, a are desperate. God damn. Exactly. So we do see this kind of moment where the group is kind of making their way through. And, I, you know, it's just kind of more, I don't want to say like, meh. But it's kind of same old stuff. Yeah, I mean, shout out to the action from Daryl Dixon in this episode, though. Oh. Acting like goddamn Jason Statham. Yeah, exactly. Started throwing knives everywhere. I'm like, yo. All right. Yeah, we suspend the reality. Like I say, the show is kind of teetering on that Fast and Furious level for me. Mm -hmm. Kind of. Like, it's not It's not as bad. Yeah. <laughs> you know, at least Daryl wasn't saying, family. <laughs> I was family. Like, I was waiting on it. Oh, it's coming. It's by season's end. I will definitely hear that come out of his mouth. But as we see, everybody's kind of fighting and sneaking their way out. And obviously, they get a little backup. Uh, you know, we're, everybody is like so loaded up on weapons. Like I'm, I'm just yeah. completely blown away by the fact that they have this attache of weapons mm -hmm. at their disposal, but they can't have enough food to survive. Yeah. But yo, we got enough to, to take down everybody. Because as we see, Carol starts picking up a machine gun, taking out everybody with walkers. Yeah, although that's one thing I did like with this scene where it seems like in, in seasons past, it's been, like you said, a little too easy and convenient to find weapons that they just pick up a gun. It's magically fully loaded with a full magazine and a, and a bullet in the chamber. But with this, there was a couple instances where I know, I think Carol picked up a few weapons and I think uh, Maggie or somebody else picked up a couple weapons as well. And they went to fire and they're like, shit, it's empty. Yeah. They're like, I like that they're finally starting to show that sense of believability where it's like, hey, not every gun is perfectly loaded. Like, you're going to pick up some instances where, hey, you're up shit's creek without a paddle here. I agree with you because it's one thing, great, we live in a fantasy world on this show. Oh, yeah. And, and I fully get that. But just that little sense of realism that, okay, the guns are empty, like this happens. 
They haven't done that in a while, no. in my opinion. I mean, it's been the running joke from, like, season two or three. Yeah. Where they were in the prison, and it's like, all right, zombie apocalypse, who the fuck is mowing the lawns? Like, zombie apocalypse, why does every gun have a fully loaded magazine? Yeah, it's a wild scenario once you break it down. But once our heroes get their supplies and run back, obviously there's a big powwow at Alexandria. Mm-hmm. So you're having everybody meet together, which, I mean, it's a cool moment, and it's almost one of those, like, the final goodbyes. Yeah. Well, at least in in years past of The Walking Dead. Yeah. Like, that's the one knock I have on it. It's become so predictable. It's like, ever since that cave incident, a thousand against five and five walked out mm-hmm. unscathed. Yeah. I, I just, I tune out. Like, I don't get that sense of like, okay, this is going to be the final goodbye. We're going to see these heroes show up again. And obviously dealing with Maggie coming in and, and really asserting herself as the head of the table, if we'll use wrestling terms. Yeah. That there is going to be a little friction going on. And with her and Negan, this is where it really kind of picks up because you know there's unfinished business because, well, Negan killed her husband. There's no love lost. Right. And I like that they keep it that way. Mm -hmm. That helps the show Mm -hmm. because I know that they kind of made Negan an anti-hero in this. And it it is what it is. Like, it makes sense for his progression of his character. Like I say, I... Fully think Jeffrey Dean Morgan is doing everything he can to really sell this character. Oh, he's hamming it up. Yeah, but that's what you need to do because it, it's, <laughs> at Negan's best, he's a charismatic asshole. Yeah, uh-huh. And it works. And to see Maggie really trying to accept that he's there is just the friction that I think is still building. And you know what? I'm here for it. And then we kind of see that, well, the food issue comes up again. Yeah, so they get back. You know, uh, Gabriel's passing out food to necessary food to the, some of the residents and there's a there's a bit of a fight over the food and and they got uh gabriel steps with two of us hey 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 there's enough food for everyone hard cut to a meeting like a town council meeting and he goes uh there's only a week week's worth of food left yeah and they're like wait but that's including the run we just made yeah and then they go into listen we just took on two of these communities there's a lot more mouths to feed you know we we have no no, but because of the the Walker invasion that we just had come through, we've got no far, we've got no stock, you know, crop growing. We don't have a back stock of crop. You know, the ground around the area is completely just ravaged that we can't use it. The last horde, he goes, the last horde that just came through chased off all of the animals in the area, so we can't even go and hunt. And plus, and you see this a lot with other survival movies. The longer it goes on, the more things get picked over, the farther out they have to go. And that's what's happening in this show is that they've been there for so long that everything's starting to get picked over. So they're having to go out further and further to find more because they're running out of stuff to find. Yeah, it's become the challenge that really makes sense. Uh So, you know, it can't really complain too much about the logic. At least they kind of follow through on it. Yeah. But it's almost wash, rinse, repeat at this stage. That's the only thing that kind of gets a little tiresome. But Mm -hmm. it is what it is. But that's the problem when you absorb all these groups into one camp. Yeah. And this is one knock that I have on this show. You have too many people involved in your main cast. Sure. that's it, it, it takes away from the story for me. Like, I'm sorry. That's the easiest way to describe it. But Maggie comes up with a big solution. She's, she's got the one with the answers. Yeah. That she goes where, Pat? Uh, Meridian, which is where she and her crew uh, used to live. Uh, she, she said, quote, it's got plenty of food, water, crops, and animals. Uh, but then Elijah, uh, played by Okie Emmy Aquari uh, points out, uh, there's just one problem. It's gone. 
Uh, yeah, so then uh, Meridian was claimed by most of its survivors, uh, and most of its survivors were slaughtered by attackers, uh, the Reapers. Uh, and no, Maggie says they come at night. And Maggie tells about the Reapers. They come at night, and by the time you see them, you're already dead. Yeah, it's one of those situations where now they're trying to establish a new threat. Mm-hmm. And it is what it is. I mean, I, I wish I could get more excited about it, but it's like. What else can you really do here? I mean, it's building. I, I, it was slow and it wasn't action packed, like I said. But it's building for the rest of the season. I'm like, all right, we're introducing some stuff. Maybe the Reapers will show up at some point. Okay, well, let's we'll, we'll, we'll see where this is going. Yeah. So once they kind of start jumping around from there, Daryl starts putting a squad together to go get it mm-hmm. because he's like, well, we need to go get Meridian. I was kind of surprised Carol stayed back because usually she's been in all for this. Yeah. Even though everybody else is. You know, understanding the gravity of the situation. Yeah, it, it, yeah, it's it's tough because even as uh, Aaron brings up, you know, he he says they should shore up Alexandria and make the walls table. He goes, well, he goes, walkers will get inside. That's not if, it's when Alexandria needs us. Yeah, and then Maggie counters him, says, "This is for Alexandria. My son is here. I have skin in the game too." Yeah, so I mean, there there's reasons they're they're going about this, but Maggie is like. All for this. Oh, yeah. Which like, which is oddly specific that, like, she's really all for this. Yeah, like, she is all in. And, and, it, it's, and it's not just a case of, like, oh, I know where it is. I yeah. know what it has. It's it's not like, oh, I've got the, the stock list of the, of the grocery store. Like, there's something else going on here. Yeah, like, she has an ulterior motive going. But then we get to a point where they have their crew set up to go. So you have Daryl, Maggie, Negan... And a bunch of the other ragtag members of the community. Gabriel, Agatha, Duncan, Frost, Gage, uh, Roy, and Dog. Yeah, which, like I say, nobody really is jumping out amongst this group to me, other than the three. And the dog. Well, I mean, that's not our dog. That's true. I mean, if our dog was in Walking Dead, it'd be a whole <laughs> different story. If, if our dog was in that, in that show, the zombie apocalypse would be over already. Exactly. Like, it'd be a whole different thing. But, like I say, once you kind of have these nameless characters on this it really takes away because like i say the whole scene going forward with this is really driven by three people like i understand gabriel's been there sure but i i care about the crew that we've seen for most of the series maggie's crew i like i didn't realize the names until i was reading them the other day and i'm like but to me i'm like okay that's not that's maggie's girl yeah, like sure. that's that's the whole thing about it. But it's, it's not moving the needle for me. I'm like, I don't care. I could care less about. I don't know. It. The the one with the mask is kind of cool. He he is, but it's like, what are we doing here? Like I we I just haven't seen enough to get invested in. Mm-hmm. It's, it's kind of like when they sub substitute Carl uh, 2.0. Oh yeah, for the scene with yeah. the whispers. I'm yeah. just like, I don't care. <laughs> like Henry, I was like, I just don't care. Like, I'm sorry, I'm not that invested because now this group is on their way to go through the subways in D.C., which I think is the first time in the show they've mentioned they're in Virginia. You know, I know it's implied with Alexandria in, yeah. in Virginia, but they've never officially said it because in the comics, uh, there's a panel where you actually see the skyline of Washington D.C. Mm-hmm. So you see the Capitol building, you see the Washington Monument, and some other and some other structures. But they've never outright, to my recollection, and hashtag ODPH pod if, if I'm wrong, to my recollection, they've never officially said in the show that they've moved up from Georgia, the state of Georgia, to Virginia. Not to my recollection. That's, like I said, it's implied with Alexandria, Alexandria, Virginia, but they've never outright said, hey, we're in Virginia. Yeah. So we do see that now, obviously, they're making way through D.C. And since Negan is from there. Yep. He is the one that's guiding the group, and he understands that, well, 
This is not a good plan. And it's super complicated because he goes, oh, yeah, we got to take the yellow line north, switch to the blue at Reagan National, then hop the red towards Bethesda. Yeah, so like, Lord. like I said, he knows his way around, and he's just like, this is insane. This is not going to get us anywhere good. But, of course, that nobody wants to hear him, especially not Maggie, because Maggie is just, nope, we're going this way. I know everything, and mm-hmm. really kind of forcing that. And once the, he starts seeing that there's some graffiti there that – is definitely a little eye-catching, and it's, it's more ominous talk. I mean, but mm-hmm. we see this throughout all the Walking Dead shows. So, I mean, it wasn't anything that really st- stood out to me as a big moment, but it was something that when Negan starts seeing this, and you can see he's getting more nervous, and to see him kind of get shaky. Yeah, that don't happen often. Yeah, that does not happen often. And even when he's trying to say, well, you know what, it's going to start raining, and when it happens, it's going to be flooding, and we're going to be basically drowning ourselves here for no oh, reason. Yeah, I mean, and the one there was a telling line for me where you know Father Gabriel catches a glimpse of the graffiti and says, "Quote: If there is a God, He will have to beg for my forgiveness." And I'm like, "Yo, <laughs> you're saying this? Oh shit!" Yeah, that was definitely a little bit crazy and ominous going on. Yeah, and then like you said, uh, the storm is really raging up above. Daryl's dog is barking up ahead. You know, you've got air coming through the pipes, making them groan really badly. Like even I'm, listen, I'm not an, a structural engineer by any stretch of the imagination, but I hear those pipes creaking. And I'm like, yo, get the fuck out. Exactly. You know, and even Negan says, God telling us, is telling us to turn around, you know, and he points out a waterline mark. He goes, that means the tunnel floods on a regular basis. Like when it rains. Yeah. I mean, he understands what's going on. And the fact that he is, He's being the smartest one in the room, too. And he thinks Daryl's in on it because Daryl tells him, listen, it's bad down here. It's worse up there. Keep moving. And Negan mutters, you're in on it. Well, yeah, because he understands what's happening. And that was one thing that, like I said, Maggie tipped her hand too early. Uh Uh-huh. The fact that you're making this insane run underground and you're having Negan lead you. Yeah. You're setting him up for something. Uh Uh-huh. And we get a little further in the episode... And sure enough, that's what is happening because once they kind of see that, well, there's more walkers that are in bags again, too, which, I mean, I thought that was kind of weird. Yeah, that was kind of gross, too. Yeah, like, I mean, the, they're, they were still in plastic bags because we saw that in the beginning of the episode, too, which that threw me off for a little bit. Mm-hmm. So yeah, I, I did not know exactly what I thought about that, but I think it's obviously that they were just trying to bury everybody and keep them, you know, still so they didn't go roaming the... <laughs> the cities of uh, D.C. there. Yeah, I mean, they, like you said, they kill the one who had its throat slit, you know, and, and uh, Negan says to Maggie, we're walking through a mass grave that could still be in use, so I am asking you, are you sure all of them were killed during the fall? Yeah. Because I think her train of thought was, oh, these were people who were killed during the fall and they didn't understand what was going on. Slash the throat. That should be enough when we know it's not. Exactly. And then as we see a Stay puffed Walker gets up because this I like I say kudos to the special effects team of Walking Dead. One thing they always do is they find grotesque ways to make zombies more grotesque. And we see one that is literally the Stay Puft Marshmallow Man of zombies uh-huh. getting ready to attack a kid there. Yep. And Negan makes the save which, with a crowbar. Yeah. I mean he basically chokes him out. And Maggie is sitting there trying to basically cause an argument. Yeah. Because now Negan has saved the day for somebody. Yeah, and, and he's really not liking what's going on because it, even I'm sitting there like, yo, is anybody going to help? And, yeah. and, the, and he saves the kid, turns around, and everyone's standing there just looking at him. Yeah. And he finally blows up about it, and this is my favorite 
scene of the entire this, this show. made this made the episode Negan goes says Maggie has has been playing dictator since we left yeah. you know he's pointing out she's listening to no one not all not even da- he goes he points he points to Alden she goes she's not listening to you and he, then he points to Daryl and goes she's not even listening to you yeah he goes we don't know what if this tunnel even has a way out whoever or whatever killed these rot bags could still be down here has that thought crossed anyone's mind exactly it has. So then, is this a death march, or are you the goddamn Pied Piper? Yeah. So, I mean, he basically says, I know what you're up to, and I'm out. I don't know. We're not having this discussion. I'm, I'm gone. And then, at this stage, too, he starts getting a little uh, people to back him up. Yeah. And yep. Maggie is not happy about this. Yeah, she yeah, she, know, she needs him, because and, and, he knows the city. And he goes, I'm your DC tour guide? Yeah. Nobody here knows how to read a goddamn map? I'll tell you why I'm here. She brought me here to die. If we get through this, I'm not coming back. She'll find a way. She'll find a reason. She'll do it herself away from the prying eyes of Alexandria here in the jungle. Yeah, which badass scene. Absolutely loved everything about this. And he even goes at this point, vindicates Daryl. He's like, you're not in on this. But you know what? I know who is, and this is all her, because I live rent-free in her head. Yeah, you, you all want to put your your lives in her hands. Her head isn't even in the game because I'm in her head living rent-free. Oh, such a badass line. So Maggie, Loved it. So, Maggie, my dying on your terms, it ain't happening. So what do you say? Let's just get her done. Right here and right now, because I am not going to let you drag me through the mud, filth, and slime to put me down like a dog, like Glenn was. Stick the knife in the wound. Loved it. Such a dirty line. You know what? This is what goes back to what makes Negan Negan. Yeah. He's a scumbag. He, he tells it like it is. He's such a scumbag. But, man, you can't be hooked. But captivated him. Like I said, he hooks you. He, get, he yeah, gets you in. he does. And, and, and Maggie's re- Maggie's response was weak. Of oh, yeah. She, weak had, she had no comeback for this. I don't care. Daryl punched him. Yeah. Didn't even matter. Daryl socked him, knocked him to the Who, ground. No, yeah, didn't even fucking matter. Uh, didn't matter. Uh, Maggie says, we're down here because up top is death. We're moving fast because our kids are starving. I'm calling the shots because that's how everyone voted. As for me killing you, it's always on my mind. I'm not going to tell you that you're wrong about me because you aren't. The woman who left six years ago is not the one standing over you now. There's a little bit of her left in me, and that little bit is the only thing keeping you breathing. But I don't know how long that's going to last, so keep pushing me, Negan, please. Yeah, which, listen, I'm sorry. You you got hit with a, the nastiest line you could have. And you had nothing to come back on. And I got to agree with Negan a little bit. She is acting, even though she might sit there and go, oh, well, I got voted the leader of this. She is acting a little bit like it's a dictatorship. Oh, yeah, absolutely. Like, there's no question about it. Like, she literally is trying to run the ship. And Negan's like, no. And I'll tell you why. Because you're too distracted with me. You're going to get us all killed. I see this. I can sit back and see this. Uh huh. You're not going to say this otherwise. Like I say, it's a wild scenario. And then... Once they start going forward even more, because basically, I don't even want to say cooler heads prevail, but it's kind of like now or never we got to get going. Sure enough, they go walking into a horde of zombies underground in the subway, mm-hmm. which this is not ending well for anybody. Well, and didn't two people that had the supplies and the weapons and the ammo run out on them? Oh, yeah. The, the young kid that Negan saved because he's like, you know what? I ain't down for this. I'm gone. And, and he took the supplies and ammo with him. Yeah. Which I'm like, listen, they're smart. Grab the stuff and go. Like, why, why are we going to kill ourselves for this? 
I think Negan proves a point. It's it's like when Kid Omega wore the shirt in Xavier's class that said Magneto was right. <laughs> it is that moment in time that everybody knows Negan is right about this situation. But, you uh-huh. know, everybody's just being more stuck up about it and doesn't want to hear it. And, All that was missing was Negan sitting there going, told you so. Yeah, exactly. And as we see, everybody's getting into a subway car trying to survive. And Negan climbs on top of it. Maggie is trying to reach for him. And... You know what? Negan's like just looks at her and says, eh, nah, I'm good. I'm good because you know what? You're not doing anything to save me. You know, I know what you're going to try to do. You, you brought me down here to watch me die. And he's and he's not wrong. No, he's not wrong. So you know what? Because if that didn't happen, the roles were going to reverse somewhere down the line. Yeah. And you know what? She loses her grasp and she falls down to the walkers below. Like that is literally how it ends. For the show. I know that there was a moment with the new Commonwealth and they're doing the storyline with Eugene and Ezekiel mm-hmm. and uh, Yumiko. Eugene's a goddamn supercomputer. Oh, yeah. he's What he, the fuck? He, he's he's way too robotic for what they need him to be doing well, on this show. Well, and also just answering the questions routinely, you know, because they, they got they got interviewed uh, for processing at this place. And they asked them, what was your highest level of education, uh, educational attainment? Zip code. Result of your last routine physical. Have you ever been vaccinated for measles? Any history of cancer? Have you ever been arrested? History of drug use? How many bowel movements do you have a day? What do you use to wipe? Why were you at the train station? And most of the other groups, you know, Ezekiel and Yumiko and others are like, oh, yeah, I know. Like, Ezekiel goes, oh, what was your highest level of educational attainment? And uh, Ezekiel goes, oh, well, I I, uh, spent three years at the University of North Carolina. Oh, but you didn't graduate? Okay, noted. And meanwhile, Eugene's like, what was your zip? What was your zip code? And he's naming every zip code he's ever lived in, including the span of years. Yeah, it's wild. And they're like, what was your last uh, physical? He's like, what do you want to know about it? Like specific details or just generally? Yeah, no, it's absolutely crazy. Like what they're trying to do there. And obviously the, they're trying to investigate what's going on in the Commonwealth, which I, this plays in a brand new day or bl- brand new world. Mm-hmm. And obviously we kind of see that Mercer is there watching over everybody as well. And then, that is kind of just an interesting scene to see it play out. I mean, there really wasn't anything too earth-shattering going on with this. Just you're already getting a feel for how that place is, and it's not good. No, it's not good. Because they get they get interviewed for seven hours apiece, I think, is yeah. what Ezekiel said. And then they go back to the cage, and they're talking, and, and this and that. And then they ask somebody who's in a cage right next to them, like, oh, how long have you been here? And it's they say it's like four months or nine months or something like that. And then instantly they get pulled away, and they're like, where are you taking us? What are we doing? What's going on? Oh, reprocessing. Yeah. It's like, okay, bullshit. Yeah, I know. They're just basically just wasting everybody's time. And that's why, like, I really wasn't too invested in the scene. The only thing that caught my uh, attention, though, was when they were making their escape and Yumiko Mm -hmm. stops to look at the wall. Well, yeah, yeah. And then this is where she is now going to take the Michonne role that was Mm -hmm. in the comics. Yep. And obviously she sees she has family there, so now she's going to try sticking around and seeing what's going to really happen in this new community. Because that'll go so well. Yeah, exactly. Like, there wasn't anything too earth-shattering going on with this, but it definitely did its job. And you know what? I mean, overall, for the story arc to come back, I thought they did a solid job. Oh, absolutely. Like I said, it wasn't an action-packed episode, but it didn't necessarily need to be. No, they definitely gave enough tension with Jeffrey Dean Morgan. Mm -hmm. I mean, like I said, he's the MVP of the show. And for we finally get the payoff with him and Maggie. I've been waiting for that for a while, and now we finally get down to the nitty-gritty about it. So, you know what? For coming back, it wasn't the worst episode to come back on? No. Definitely a good cliffhanger going forward with where they're going to go for this next arc. Because also, don't worry, the dog isn't dead. No, the dog is not dead. No, they. I, I don't even think... Obviously, Maggie's not going to get killed. She's going to glen this. And what I mean by this is, remember a couple seasons ago where he fell... 
uh, off a dumpster. Yeah, he was under the dumpster. Yeah, and he somehow didn't get scratched or bitten by a horde of zombies that surrounded the whole damn thing. And he didn't come back even injured. Yeah, like I said, same thing's going to happen with Maggie. That's why I say, like, I suspend my disbelief about this just because it gets to such a point. It's like, all right, where are we going from here? A lot of stuff happening with The Walking Dead, though. Final thoughts on the episode, Pat? Uh, absolutely uh, liked it. You know, great episode to come back on. Not the strongest one they've ever had, but not the weakest. Uh, but I definitely enjoyed it. Yeah, it was definitely a solid episode. A lot of stuff going on. If you want a little more definition on it, definitely uh, check out comicbook.com. Cameron Bonomolo mm-hmm. did the review of uh, the episode. I thought he did a fantastic job with it. Really broke down a lot that was going on with it. Because once you get into the whole moving and shaking of the episode, it did become a little difficult for me to keep up. Sure. Because we start out basically the same place we ended up. Mm-hmm. Like, it felt like there was the same spot. Like, I thought they jumped ahead first and then came back. But I thought that they did a solid job about extend, like, just extending what they were trying to do and the whole point of setting up the tension between Negan oh, yeah. and Maggie. And I thought they did a phenomenal job with that. I hope they carry on more going with the season moving forward, but we'll have to kind of wait and see what happens. We give you our thoughts, and we want to hear yours. Hit us up on the hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your take on The Walking Dead season premiere? Are you excited, or are you not, and why, and what stood out? Let's talk. We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. In the not-too-distant future, following the rapid succession of World Wars 3 and 4, plus the hidden horrors of secret World War 2, there's not much left. All that remains is a place where folks get together to read and discuss comic books. Sometimes they laugh, sometimes they argue, but they always record and upload their transmissions. You've found one of those transmissions today. Welcome to The Last Comic Shop. Rate, review, and subscribe to our weekly comic book reviews on all the major podcasting platforms at www.lastcomicshoppodcast.com. Coming back for another segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast, and let us talk about What If. Uh-huh. Now, this show on Disney Plus has been an animated hit. Yeah. For Marvel, this is a big win. And it takes stories that happen in the MCU and really flip them in a complete 360. Puts a little twist on them. Yeah, which if you've ever read the old school comic, this is what they do perfectly. Yeah. And it gives a lot of people creative freedom to take a story into a different direction, which is never a bad thing in my opinion. No. And for the one shots, this works because when you do animated shows, this definitely helps. We are now on to three episodes, and since Pad was on vacation last week, we didn't get a chance to really touch upon episode two. So we are going to be talking a little bit of spoilers about episode two and three. We're going to kind of merge it into one review of the show thus far. And you know the deal by now. We talk spoilers. If you don't want to hear spoilers, we give you that timestamp and we give you that countdown because once we get deep diving, we don't stop. So that being said, in three, two, one, Pad. What did you think about what if T'Challa became a Star-Lord? Uh, I thought that was a really great episode. I know it was their best one to that point. I know a lot of people were kind of down and weren't the biggest fans of the first one. You know, what if Captain Carter were the first Avenger? Uh, which I'll admit didn't go as crazy as I would have liked it to. Because the thing I like with, with you know, those what if stories for various franchises is like, if you're going to do it, don't make it so simple as just like, oh, hey, one little change and you're good. You know, make it really weird and really bizarre, almost like a choose-your-own-adventure book. Uh, I thought this episode was really great, and some of the stuff in it was mind-blowing. 
Yeah, this one definitely hit me in the feels, though, obviously, is the late Chadwick Boseman's last performance as T'Challa. Yep. And did an amazing job with this. And completely a, a real interesting take on taking T'Challa into space. Mm-hmm. And I thought they did this very well from top to bottom with the story that when you see T'Challa being Star-Lord, he is actually has that reputation of being a badass. Yeah. As we see when he starts running into the competition when he's trying to make his heist. Mm-hmm. And we do see Yondo, who is voiced again by Michael Rooker, yep. just come in there and still have that kind of connection with him as well. And is misleading him a little bit because when he was abducted from Wakanda all those years ago, Yondo told me Wakanda was destroyed. Mm-hmm. Which, I mean, that's that's a Yondo thing. Yeah. As they've made a more uh, pirate villain in the MCU than yeah. it was in the comics, in my opinion. But we do see that they have to go get a job from one Nebula mm-hmm. who approaches them about stealing an item that deals with eradicating hunger. Mm-hmm. I will admit, when I first heard that and when they tried explaining it was, the, I believe, the Ember of Genesis. I believe so, yes. I started thinking, are you really going to do Galactus for this? <laughs> because that would be a freaking wild take yeah. that we haven't seen him in the MCU. But no, we, we don't have that. But we do see that, obviously, they're going to have to deal with a, an old friend who likes to collect things. Mm-hmm. And that is who, Pat? Uh, the Collector. Yes. So we do see that that has uh, a little more connection to the movies. Albeit, though, they do get some help. Yeah. From an unlikely source. Uh-huh. And, Pat, who is that? Uh, it's a purple dude. Uh, a little strong. A little bit of an asshole in the movies. Uh, it's Thanos. Yes. Who Josh Brolin reprises his role. Goddamn. And, man, did they ever flip it on their ear. Thanos, what are you doing here? Well, I had a sit-down chat with, with uh, Star-Lord, and he really convinced me that mass genocide wasn't the answer. It was hysterical. Oh, my God. I was on the floor. I was like, really? This is how we're going to do this episode? Okay. I'm here. I'm here for it. And that's one cool thing about this show is they get most of the actors back in their roles for yeah. this. So, obviously, Karen Gillian reprised her role as Nebula, and we had Josh Brolin reprising his role as Thanos. And as they're going on this crazy quest to deal <laughs> with the Collector, uh, things just don't go as part of the plan as everybody no. expects. I mean, this no. is, but, but really, if it did, would we be happy with it? No. I mean, that's the whole thing about it. It just wouldn't. I mean, Benicio Del Toro voicing the collector was awesome again. So good. Yeah, and and just how this major plan to go into the his home on nowhere mm-hmm. and go steal it just goes completely awry. Yeah. But yet again, you have these moments and what if that really flips everything on its ear. Yeah, especially when you can tell with this universe, because the way I'm taking this is this is obviously all separate universes. Yes. You know. Things have obviously not gone well in that universe because at one point the collector opens up his wall of weapons, I guess you could call it. Mm -hmm. And we see a few familiar uh, artifacts in said wall. You see Captain America's shield. You see Mjolnir. Uh, So clearly things have not gone well for the Avengers in that universe. Yes. And we do see Howard the Duck make an appearance. Howard the goddamn duck. You can't you can't make that guy go away. No, you really can't. No, he's he's there for life. It's like a rash. Just when you think he's gone, he keeps coming back. Yeah. But then we see as they're making their, I mean, they're getting captured and they have to go fight their way out of it. And it's just a wild scenario that when T'Challa is already three steps ahead of everybody, like he always is in the comics. Mm -hmm. So, I mean, I thought they did his character very, very well in there. And as they're plotting the escape and they kind of, you know, he does his unique way of escaping everything going on. Mm -hmm. You see the heroic side of Thanos come out too. Yeah. Where he goes back to save Nebula. Who knew he had it in him? Yeah. Yeah. And it's just such a wild scenario that goes on there. 
Uh, you know what? Just didn't see it coming in the comments. No. But to see him go back, save everybody, sacrifice himself, even though he did get saved at the end. Yeah. And we do see that T'Challa gets some help from Yondu into defeating the Collector. And we do see that uh, Karina, who we do know from the movies, I believe, mm-hmm. uh, turns the tides and, and winds up capturing the Collector yeah. in his own jail. Yeah. After a little trickery happens. So everybody winds up escaping. Yep. It's, it's a happy moment ever, ever after. Ever after. Yeah. And then we see T'Challa goes back to Wakanda with his new family. Yep. And everybody has this really kind of feel-good moment. Yes, because along the way, he discovers a Wakandan ship with a message intact from his father. You know, basically like, hey, if anyone sees my son T'Challa, let him know that I miss him and blah, blah, blah. And, and he confronts Yandu about it. He's like, what the fuck? You lied to me. Yeah. So, yeah, he, it's a nice happy reunion. And I got to say, the end scene dinner was really funny. Yeah, absolutely. And it was just, it was such a cool moment. And, like I and, said. And what was it? You had uh, Denai Guerrero's character sitting there going, you know, like, Thanos was explaining his plan prior to talking to Ch- to Chichala. And in and, and Danai Guerrero's character is like, I really don't think mass genocide is the answer. He goes, Well, when you look at it from that perspective, no. Yeah, like no, they He's can... still trying to justify it. He's like, Yeah, I, I had a I had a good idea. I, I swear it was really good. <laughs> and then we kind of see what happened to Peter Quill, who's working as uh Janitor at Dairy Queen. Yep. And he gets approached by <laughs> Kurt Russell's ego. Yeah, and I and I like what Jeffrey Wright said at the end and he goes, uh this this isn't gonna go well for this universe, but that's a story for another time. Exactly. Like I mean, just everything is such a select story. It definitely hit all the numbers. And this mm-hmm. this episode, like I said, was so good and like I say, I got a little choked up watching it. Obviously, yeah. hearing Chadwick Boseman's last performance, I yep. was like, man. But what But what a great episode. Like I said, I couldn't speak that highly about it. And then we get to this week's. Oh, boy. So what if the world lost its mightiest heroes? This was fucking bonkers. Yeah. This, I, when I first heard about it and we saw the kind of still photos for it, uh, it was Black Widow and Nick Fury. Yeah, and, and, it, and it was announced, I think, like the night before. Like, they put out some character posters for the episode on social media. Like, oh, be sure to check out Nick Fury and, and uh, uh, Scarlet Witch, or not Scarlet Witch, uh, Black Widow in the new next episode of uh, Marvel's What If. I was like, ooh, this could be interesting. Yeah, you know one thing I really like about the show is they're not tipping off what they're doing for the following week until, like, a no. day before. No, I do enjoy that. Yeah, no, I think that helps huge. Also, I gotta, we have to note with this film... Uh, or this show, this does mark Sam Jackson's 12th appearance in the uh, Marvel Cinematic Universe as Nick Fury, far away the most number of appearances in the core cast. Yeah, it was absolutely wild. And this goes back to when he was trying to assemble the Avengers. Well, so even as back, supposedly this takes place in the, all of a week, which, gotta admit, Phase One didn't really pick up on that. No, uh, it didn't. But it, this all takes place. In, this all takes place in a week. So busy week for Shield, it would appear. Oh my God, yeah. Where it starts off on Monday, I believe it is, and it's the scene from Iron Man Two where Tony's having his <laughs> midlife crisis in the donut hole, mm-hmm. uh, eating donuts, uh, and he goes and he has the conversation with Nick and and uh, Black Widow and Natasha. And it plays out just like it does in the movie. And she went, She goes to give him the little serum in his neck to like help him live a little bit longer, except he keels over and dies. Yeah, which it was like, whoa, that's a big shock. Yeah. And then as Nick Fury is investigating what happens, we go to a S.H.I.E.L.D. hideout where we do see Mjolnir is under wraps. We'll say, yep, so we're seeing the end of Iron Man 2 into the beginning of 4-1. Yes. And we do see that Thor makes his appearance trying to get Mjolnir back. Much in the same way he does in the movie. Yes. And Clint Barton, well, it has an arrow drawn. He's ready to shoot. And Nick Fury is saying, stand down, stand down, stand down. And well, he's saying, wait. Yeah. 
Well, he's he's saying wait, but he's originally telling him to stand down. He's oh, like, just, yeah, yeah, he, yeah. He's, he's really just kind of telling him to hold off. And then suddenly Barton winds up shooting him. See, I didn't pick that up the first time. Obviously, when we find out what happens later in the episode, I didn't pick up on that. I the way it looked to me, and maybe if I rewatch the episode, I'll pick up on it better. But it looked to me like the sh- the arrow came over his shoulder. It didn't look to me like he shot it. And yeah. I and I don't mean that it, it didn't look like the sh- the arrow came from him. That like it came from over his shoulder. It was kind of a weird cut, but the, you know, in, in hindsight, it's it's going to be one of those things we can just define as reasons. reasons. But we find out that Thor is now dead. Who knew? All you needed to kill the Thor Odinson is an arrow. Yeah, which I still was like, does that really work for Asgardians? I don't think so. But yet again, reasons. reasons. So we do see that Clint Barton has been arrested for the murder of Thor and ironically dies in his prison cell. Yep. So now we have three dead Avengers in the course of 48 hours. And all the meanwhile, Natasha had been arrested because, hey, there's protocols for this. Yeah. This kind of thing. Uh, But Nick needed her on the outside. He's like, listen, I can't do what I need to do from here. I need somebody on the outside who doesn't have someone looking over their shoulder. You're going to do it for me. Uh, so he gives her the means to with to which she can escape her uh, her captors, uh, and we see the dude from who shows up from Cap Two. Yeah, uh, uh, Carsbones. Yeah, so that w- that was cool to see. So yeah, you, we've got three Avengers dead now with one on the run. Yeah, and we see that she winds up tracking down. Uh, Betty Ross. Mm-hmm. So it takes it back to the, the Hulk movie. Yeah. Which I, was I don't like, think they've ever referenced in the Marvel films. No, they never have. So when I saw that happen, I'm like, oh, oh, okay. Uh huh. We're, we're going here. We're acknowledging it. Okay. Okay. Yeah. I was definitely down for it. And we do see that kind of the same thing is happening because as General Ross is now trying to track down Natasha, and when will he ever learn? This just doesn't work. It's <laughs> like Wiley e. Coyote and the Roadrunner. It just isn't going to work. Uh, Banner winds up hulking up. Yep. But when he does, he puffs up. Yeah, this was weird. Yeah. Initially, and then we find out what happened. I'm like, oh, okay. Yeah, it makes a lot more sense. I thought it was, the, at first I thought it was the bullet. That like, because obviously the military's had a hard time fighting with him. I thought they took maybe the, like, Superman approach with, with DC, uh, Superman and Lois, that like they had some sort of bullet that would affect him. And I was like, oh, maybe it was the bullet. Because Banner did get shot in the shoulder with a sniper bullet. Mm-hmm. But it's just a wild scenario where he just basically puffs up to the point he explodes. I didn't think they'd actually show it. Oh, I, I'm not gonna. I thought they would have taken the normal cartoon approach where like you see it up until it happens, and then cut away to like some other character, either Romanoff or General Ross, or even a window. Because yeah. I've seen instances where they just show a window in this scenario, and then you see bits and pieces of him hitting either the person or the window. They full on showed him exploding. Yeah. Yo, I give him credit for it because you know what I, I do too. I just sat there. I was like, "Are we really going to get dark like this and, and show him <laughs> explode?" But you know what? That was the whole point of the episode because it's a murder mystery. Yeah. And as we see, just nothing is going right for Nick Fury, and he does have an old friend back too. Yep. Clark fucking Greg. Salute to the real agent of Shield himself, Coulson. Oh, ah, oh, so good. Yeah. If you try telling me he's not part of the MCU and Agents of Shield isn't, we're not talking. I'm sorry. They're part of it. You can't tell me otherwise. Just wait till Secret Invasion, folks. Just going to say that. Had to get that out there. Awesome hearing back. And then, obviously, our dynamic duo has to deal with a visitor. Mm-hmm. And that is one god of mischief himself. Yeah. The one and only Loki. Who's brought an army. Yeah, who's brought an army who demands Including justice. a destroyer. Yeah. <laughs> oh, God, I saw that one. Because if I saw Loki and then I saw some of Thor's other friends, you know, Lady Sif was in the background, some of his other friends. And then I'm like, oh, wait, fuck, they have a destroyer. This isn't good. Yeah. 
and basically Tom Hiddleston just doing Tom Hiddleston things. He he missed an opportunity though. He didn't say at any point glorious purpose. Yeah, I know he didn't. But you know what? I can let it slide because he just got down to business and was saying, "Well, I'm here. You're going to tell me who took who killed my brother, or I'm going to kill you, or I'm going to kill you." And Fury throws a counterproposal at him, at him and says, "Well, why don't we work together and find out who killed him?" Meanwhile, Natasha, still on the run, yep. is getting more clues of what happened, and she does give Fury a clue. However, she is taking herself out. Yeah, although we got to give a shout out to Clark Gregg with us because she has to hack into the Shield files. Obviously, she can't get into them anymore, so she calls Coulson, needs his password, and and I don't remember exactly what it was, but it was Steve Rogers focused. Oh yeah, and, and I was like, oh, there it is. That, I missed that. I I missed that too. That's. That moment needs to happen in whenever Chris Evans decides to return. I'm just putting that mm-hmm. out there. But we do see that she does get Fury the message of who she thinks is the killer. It's all about hope. Yep. And the, all the meanwhile, we're getting a clue as to what the hell's going on because she's getting her ass kicked in this in this library, which is not unlike her. She's yeah. usually pretty good unless she's going up against you know a real heavy hitter. Uh, and and but you can't really tell who's hitting her. It's like. She's hitting herself. Yeah. It's kind of a wild scenario. Like, I was thinking at first, I'm like, wait, are they going to say it's Sue Storm and the Invisible Woman? I was like, wait, who's invisible? Like, that's what I thought. Yeah, yeah that's why I said there. I was like, oh, this is going to get weird all of a sudden. I know some people were suspecting maybe Ghost from uh, Ant-Man and the Wasp. Yeah. But then we find out after Fury is ready to pull the curtain back and reveal the killer, it turns out to be an old friend. Yeah. Hank Pym. Yeah, because Fury goes to San Francisco. We see the Golden Gate Bridge in the background, and he's at a graveyard, uh, and the fog peels back, and it's a graveyard. Uh, it's a grave specifically for Hope Van Dyne. Yes, and as we find out, Hank went rogue after she died in the line of duty mm-hmm. and basically has made his mission to take out the Avengers. Also, shout out to the animation crew for making him look absolutely fucking nuts. Yeah, he looked absolutely Oh, my God. He looked like he went off the deep end hard. Yeah, which I mean, is perfect. It, oh, yeah. Everything about this episode was damn near perfect. I, I, I had zero issue with everything they were doing because... They really wanted to tell a wild story with this, and they did. Mm-hmm. And you know what? Couldn't be, could not be more happy about this because once you see that he has the breakdown and Hank Pym is fighting him, and I mean Nick Fury is fighting him, it's a wild thing. I could, yeah, I was really confused at first. I'm like, wait, what the hell is going on? How is he doing this? Because he's teleporting back and forth, and this is not. I'm like, I don't think Shield Tech is that advanced yet. And then I'm like, oh wait, Loki. Yeah, so Loki has teamed up with him. And he's fighting him, and it's it's just kind of awesome to see him just swatting him away. He's just cackling. Yeah, like it's just Tom Hiddleston doing Tom Hiddleston things. I mean, that's that's what it comes down to, like at the end of the day. And you know what? There's nothing wrong with that at all. Mm-hmm. Like I say, Michael Douglas did his thing as Hank Pym, as, as only he can. But he as soon as he's defeated, Loki says, well, you know what? I kind of like it here. Mm-hmm. I'm taking over. Yeah, he. Yeah, he's like, oh, are we gonna? Uh, I think it was Seth goes, oh, are we gonna leave? No, nah, I, I want to stay a little bit more. Hard cut to New York City and the United Nations, where it is full of Asgardian soldiers standing there. And he goes, oh, it was so nice of the leaders of the world to put aside their differences and come together. Uh, spoiler alert: I'm pretty sure they're dead. Yeah. Uh, but I'm now the world's leader. You are now, you know, you. And he gives a bit of the speech you hear from Avengers One. You know, and, and that whole thing. But, yeah, now now Loki in this universe is the leader of the er- of Earth. Yes. But Fury is not down and out because he did place the beeper call to outer space. Mm-hmm. We did see the beeper. Yep. Carol Danvers makes her great appearance on the show. Mm-hmm. And we do see that they're standing around a block of ice. With a shield. Where he wipes away and you see Captain America's shield. Welcome back, Cap. <sighs> 
So much win about this show. So good. Yeah, like we have to really kind of keep that in perspective. There is a lot going on with this show. Every episode is standalone. Every episode is delivering on all points. Mm-hmm. It's a must watch if you're not watching already. And, I mean, Pad, what else can you say about these two episodes? Uh, absolutely phenomenal. I know some people were kind of down, like I said, on the first episode. And I understand that. And and I think it wasn't a smash home run hit out of Park Free in terms of real crazy and going different places with a twisting a story we're all familiar with. But these last two episodes have been that thing I love. Because if you're going to do that, like, choose your own adventure type of story where it's like you can go different places than what you saw in the movie. Have some fun with it. Go some crazy places with it. Have Thanos come be the good guy. Yeah. Have all the Avengers die before, you know, New York gets invaded. Have some real fun with it. Don't don't be afraid to take some risks because people are going to love it or people are going to hate it. And I think for most people, they love this. Well, that's the whole thing about this show. It's you take a unique perspective of a different story. And that's the whole point. You shouldn't tell the exact same story. If you're doing it, you're doing it wrong. You want to flip the characters. You want to make your heroes bad. You want to make your villains good. You really want to just test the waters of your creativity. And so far, the show has delivered on it. Everything they've touched with the show has been gold. And I, I'm very excited to see where we go because I know we've only got a couple more episodes. Then they're taking a little break, and then they're coming back. And then we start going back to live-action MCU. But mm-hmm. you know what? This is not a bad thing to do in between shows. Absolutely I'm, I'm not. Gonna say, I'm going to say right now. It's a fun way to start your day, too. Yo, absolutely. Like I'd say, if you want cartoons in the morning, this is the way to do it. But Marvel, for Marvel, especially animation, yeah. this is a big win. Oh, yeah, the animation is, because like we said, Marvel not really known for their animation the last couple decades. Uh, this animation has been real top-notch. Absolutely. So, and I, and I got to imagine Disney had something to do with that. Well, you know, that's the whole point. When you're in the House of Mouse, you got to deliver, especially when they're known for their animation. I'll say, especially when Disney's been around for 100 years because of animation. Yeah, and especially being a marquee show on their streaming service, oh, yeah. you, you want to make sure you deliver it. So this show so far has been a home run. Definitely check it out and definitely hit us up on that hashtag, hashtag ODPHpod. What is your thoughts about What If? Did you like the past two episodes or did you not? And let's, let's have a deep discussion about it, shall we? We're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. This is Tom from Tom Joe Lou. This is Matt from Sideman Sounds. And you're listening to ODPH Podcast. Wanna go where no one knows my name To the desert, the oceans, or the plains Cause I wanna... Coming back for the final segment on this edition of the ODPH Podcast. Pat, what you got for those one shots? Got a couple things to talk about. Uh, first of which is we got a little bit of details on the season premiere event for The Flash, which is coming uh, shortly, uh, a little bit later this year. Uh, reading from an article courtesy of comicbook.com, uh, quote, The CW has revealed the first details for Armageddon, the upcoming five-part premiere event for The Flash, which features appearances by uh, Javisha Leslie as Batwoman, Brandon Ralph as The Atom, Cress Williams as Black Lightning, Chyler Lee as Sentinel, Kat McNamara, uh, uh, yeah, McNamara as Mia Queen, Osrich Chow as Ryan Choi. Uh, the event, which kicks off November 16th at 8 p.m., will pit the super team against Eobard Thawne, played by Tom Cavanaugh, and Damian Dark, played by Neil McDonough. Uh, this will mark the first time Chow has uh, appeared in the Arrowverse since his appearance in Crisis on Infinite Earths, and the first time McNamara, Lee, Williams will all appear since the end of Arrow, Supergirl, and Bat, Bat, excuse me, Black Lightning, respectively. 
There are a few details about the actual plot, which apparently also see the team facing off against an alien threat. It's not immediately clear whether Armageddon will have any connection to the Armageddon 2001 comics, comics event or its follow-up. Those stories centered on the character of Wave Rider and the villain Monarch, uh, and involved a lot of time travel, something that is common uh, to both Dark and Thawne, uh, and which would be necessary to include Mia Queen in the story. Quote, simply put, there are the going to be some of these are going to be some of the most emotional Flash episodes ever, said the Flash showrunner Eric Wallace in a statement. Plus, there are some truly epic moments and huge surprises that await our fans, and we're doing them on a scale that's bigger and bolder than our traditional Flash episodes. So yes, Armageddon is a lot more than just another graphic novel storyline. It's going to be a true event for Flash and Arrowverse fans, old and new. Honestly, I can't wait for audiences to see what we've got planned. Uh, you've got me sold on this. Okay. On paper, this sounds good. But the fact they use Armageddon... If you are a longtime DC Comics reader, did you not just think Armageddon 20,001? Because I did. And how bad that crossover mm-hmm. was. Oh, ugh, just no. Sorry, not a fan of the book. Um, hoping it's just name only and we go a different place with it. Because, yeah, I'm not down to really see Monarch on my CW screen. <laughs> just putting that out there. I don't even want to get into it. I don't want to have a good closing segment. Gun to your head. You see one. You can only see one thing on a screen, silver or television. Uh, that 2001 story or Ben Riley. 2001. Okay. I'm sorry. Uh, I know. I know this gets me some heat with a uh, certain other podcast, but hell no, Ben Riley. <laughs> hell no. You keep that Clone Saga away from me, damn it. Uh, all Clone Saga paperbacks can be addressed to P.O. Box. No, I'm kidding. Yeah, <laughs> asshole. <laughs> no, but yeah, but no, I'm sorry. Like, this is not a good story. And I just hope they do something different with CW. Like, when they do their crossovers lately, I mean, where do you go from Crisis on Infinite Earths? Yeah. So, but yeah, just, yeah, why, why, yeah, just put Ben Riley in there and just have it all crashed together yeah uh, uh, oh yeah moving, moving on to happier things yeah uh games gamescom 2021 is currently taking place uh, it starts today as we record wednesday august 25th uh and runs through friday august 27th no in-person attendance uh it, it is online though i know you can go to twitch and find a whole bunch of people streaming uh their, either their reactions or official streams for it uh but we had the first day i guess you could say the opening night live so you had a bunch of announcements and such made and some of these are just some of the ones jumping out uh you had a multiplayer trailer and a reveal release date revealed for uh halo infinite uh which is of course the highly anticipated next uh game in the halo franchise uh it is the uh, campaign and multiplayer which i know there was some speculation the last couple of days that only the multiplayer would be released and you'd get the story later which is just as backwards to me uh but you will be getting them both officially released on december 8th 2021 uh reading from an article on ign it says the release date was revealed alongside a multiplayer trailer focused on commander lorette agrina who will be one of the main characters featured in the first season of halo infinite's multiplayer uh, they also showed off a really cool uh, Xbox Elite wireless controller, Yo, that too. looks dope. Yeah, so this is to celebrate the Halo's 20th anniversary. Halo 1 is turning Holy 20 years shit. old. Uh, yeah, so uh, Elite se- uh, Wireless Control Series 2 will be released. Good fucking luck because it's exclusive. It's an anniversary. People are going to be on that thing like they're on the new Xbox and PlayStations. Good fucking luck. Yeah. Uh, there was also a limited edition Xbox Series X for Halo Infinite announced, which will be released on November 15th, which is also a part of the Halo 20th anniversary uh, edition. 
So again, good luck because people are going to be all over that goddamn thing. Uh, you had a reboot for the Saints Row franchise uh, announced, uh, which is arriving February 2022. Uh, so this reads, uh, a brand new Saints Row game will be released on February 25th, 2022 for PlayStation 5, PlayStation 4, Xbox Series X slash S, Xbox One, and PC. Uh, and the first trailer gives fans a look at the new city of Santo uh, Ieso, which appears to take inspiration from the American Southwest. There are three main gangs in this new Saint, new reboot of Saints Row. And opening night live also shared the first glimpse of gameplay footage. Uh, I am a big fan of the Saints Row franchise. I have only played three and four, however. Three, and I only got into the franchise because PlayStation on the PlayStation 3 for one of the PS Plus free games years ago put Saints Row 3 mm. down free. And I'd heard good things about it, so I bought, I downloaded it played it love the hell out of it uh bought saints row 4 when it released on ps4 uh i gotta say it's been at least 10 years or more at this point probably more uh but saints row 4 first came out you know and then i rebought the re-elected edition when it came out on ps4 because i love the hell out of the game it's a lot of fun initially the saints row game started out trying to be like a competitor to grand theft auto but then they kind of took a left turn and went real weird with it, especially the fourth one, which took place in a computer simulation because aliens invaded the Earth and blew it up. And then you have ended up in the simulation uh, gaining superpowers. So like super speed, super strength. You could fly, quote unquote, but it was more like a Toy Story falling with style type of thing. Uh, but it just got weird. And, and there hadn't really been anything in the last 10 years. And there were rumors of a reboot. So, and, and so it is, does appear to be a reboot. And from what the gameplay looks like, it looks like it's going back to that Saints Row 3. So not quite as wild and out there, which I'm all for. I'm, I'm super excited for it. I cannot wait. Yeah, it looks dope. Then we get to one that Ken's mildly excited about. Uh, from the uh, folks who make the... Let's go. Yeah, so the, the new Marvel game was announced uh, titled Midnight Suns. Uh, so the uh, IGN article reads, Marvel Midnight Suns is a new strategy game from Fire Axis Games that looks to be a super-powered version of the studio's XCOM franchise. While the game will feature customizable superheroes, it will also feature iconic Marvel characters like Iron Man, Wolverine, Captain America, Captain Marvel, and more. Uh, the game is set to be released March 2022. God damn it, there's a lot of fucking games coming out in the first three months. And the first gameplay will be revealed on September 1st, 2021. And I gotta say, looks good. This looks freaking incredible. Also features a really dope cover of Enter Sandman by Alicia Cara, which, watch the trailer. It's a dope-ass cover. It's an amazing cover. The gameplay so far looks all types of win I am stoked. Midnight Suns, are we taking it back to the dark side of the MCU? Are we going to be getting... We already saw Blade was in the trailer. Mm-hmm. We know Ghost Rider's there. Yep. I thought we saw Lilith yep. make her appearance. It did appear so. We're going to get freaking wild with this. So, And if you're not familiar, I mean, that was the small group of comics in the 90s that were dealing with the supernatural side of the Marvel mm-hmm. Universe. I mean, they've been kind of teetering around with it a little bit with yeah. the Avengers uh, video game of Square Enix. I mean, they mentioned the Darkhold. We know the Darkhold from the MCU member Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Yep. So if they're tying all this together, man, this looks like such a win, and the trailer looks dope as hell. Mm-hmm. Uh, next up, we got a uh, release date for the upcoming sequel to Horizon Zero Dawn, which is easily my favorite game of all time. Uh, Horizon Forbidden West is uh, got a release date uh, for PS5 and PS4 on February 18th, 2022. I seriously cannot wait for this game. Legit, it's from the folks over at Guerrilla Games. Legitimately, the first game is one of my favorite games of all time. That like it was the like normally when a game has like collectibles and all this other shit, you can go around and collect. I by and large skip it. I really don't care. 
But because they tied in where the game took place, which is out in like the the uh, mountain time zone in America, so like Colorado and all that, they tied it in so heavily with the area and like where it was in America that like you could go visit the remains of the uh, United States Air Force Academy. Mm. That, that like I I've been there myself. That I was exploring the game one day. And I came, and if you Google image search the uh, United States Air Force Academy church, there's a church there which features like seven or eight, I forget how many different rooms for like every religion you can think of. That like it's a very iconic structure from the, sh- the size and just the look of it. That I saw this in the game and I'm like, oh, holy fuck, I know where I am. That like it made me want to go in and explore all the lore and the back stuff and the, and the collectibles. So I imagine it's going to be even more with this. I I seriously cannot wait. I just need to get a PS5. That's that's the only thing. I know that's the goal right now. Yeah. Uh, next up, you had a trailer. Finally got to see some stuff for and a, and a mild kind of release date for uh, the next Lego Star Wars: The Skywalker Saga. Uh, so this is uh, coming from the folks over at. Uh, TT Games, uh, and it is coming out. Uh, it was delayed from spring 2021. It is coming out in spring 2022. Again, god damn it, the first half of next year is absolutely loaded because thanks COVID. Uh, but the gameplay trailer, the gameplay looks awesome. You know, the, it is all nine movies minus Rogue One because the the game's titled The Skywalker Saga. Uh, so it's Phantom Menace, Attack of the Clones, Revenge of the Sith, A New Hope, Empire Strikes Back, Return of the Jedi, Force Awakens, The Last Jedi, and then Rise of Skywalker. The thing is, is because the, the TT Games did make, you know, Lego Star Wars, which was the prequel movies. They did make Lego Star Wars 2, which was the original trilogy. Mm-hmm. They are not taking any of the levels or any of the stuff from those games and simply updating it and upgrading, upgrading the graphics. Because they did put out, you know, the complete saga, complete trilogy, whatever the hell it was called, for PlayStation 3. Because originally the games came out on PS2, I want to say, in, in Xbox. But then they put out the bundle package with PS3 and Xbox 360. They're not taking any of those aspects from the first three or first six movies, I guess you could say, from those two games. It's all completely redone. It's all completely reimagined. That's so. And, and the gameplay trailer looks amazing just from the simple fact that it looks like you're going to be able to free roam travel wherever the hell you want. Because there's one point in the trailer where you see Lando Calrissian on Kashyyyk, which he, in the movies, he's never there. So I am super fucking excited for this. I just can't wait to beat Darth Maul, uh, Darth Sidious's Jar Jar. Yeah, that looked kind of wild. Oh, the Jar Jar's in there, man. Jar Jar's gonna be in there. That's the thing with the, that's the thing with Lego games. Uh, they feature every goddamn person. Like the one I always loved. The Lego Star Wars games were awesome. Lego Indiana Jones games were awesome. But the Lego Marvel superheroes one, which was more comic based than movie based, mm. every goddamn hero and character you can think of from from Marvel. Like I, even some that I'm like Captain Britain was in this goddamn was in that goddamn game. Just make sure the king is in there. Boba Fett. Oh, he'll, he'll be in there. Oh, yeah. He'll be in there. Uh, and then you also had a, a new uh, story trailer from Far Cry 6, which, of course, has Giancarlo Esposito in it. Looked really good. I might uh, end up checking that out. Uh, that's all the stuff that really jumped out to me because, and like I said, there is a lot of fucking shit coming out the first three months of the year. Like, somebody pointed it out to Twitter, and I went and looked, and yeah, it's really fucking stacked. Uh, January alone, you've got a game coming out called Elden Ring, which I know is something a lot of people are looking forward to. That's coming out on the 21st of January uh, for uh, PC, PS4, PS4. PS5, Xbox One, and then the Xbox Series X and Series S. Uh, that's from the folks over at From Software, and then it's coming out from Bandai Namco. You've got Pokemon Legends Arceus, which is the next uh, Nintendo game. It's the prequel taking place before any of the other games. That's coming out on the 28th of January. Then you've got uh, a Tom Clancy Rainbow Six uh, Extraction, so it's a, presumably it's a uh, it's a, another game in the Tom Clancy Rainbow Six 
franchise coming out sometime in January, it looks like. You've got Horizon Forbidden West coming out in February. Destiny 2's got another expansion coming out that they just announced uh, the other day, which looks really cool. That's coming out on the 22nd. You've got Sifu, which is a beat-em-up game for, for PlayStation PS5 that's coming out the same day. Saints Row, the reboot's coming out the 25th. Evil Dead, the game's supposed to be coming out in February. Like, you've got Marvel Midnight Suns coming out in March. You know, WWE 2K22 in March, there's a lot of shit coming out next year. There's a lot coming out, and like you touched on, I mean, obviously C19 pushed everything back, but it's going to be an insane year uh-huh. for video games. And man, give me the Midnight Suns one, like, ASAP. Uh-huh, looking real good. Uh, switching over to my comics this week, you've got Action Comics issue number 1034. Uh, you've also got Alien issue number 6. That's getting really good. Uh, you've got Amazing Spider-Man issue number 72. Uh, again, Nick Spencer is writing. Need I say more? Uh, the description of this is over in Sinister War. Spider-Man is facing two Sinister Sixes. But then what is he doing here? Just want to say, trying not to spoil, you don't quite understand how intense and impossible this situation is for Peter Parker. Yeah, no, really. Like I said in the one, the first segment, Spider-Man is literally going up against every villain he has in this in this yeah, Sinister it, War. Yeah, it's nuts. Like, he's facing the Sinister Six. He's facing, facing the Savage Six. There's also a panel at the end of the first issue where it's literally every villain he has ever faced, minus Kingpin, because, well, he's mayor of New York. God, that's still weird to say. Yeah. Uh, but he's facing every villain he's ever faced. It is absolutely batshit crazy, and I love it. Yeah, I mean, the whole thing that they've been building for, I mean, you want to go out on a big way, and Spencer... Listen, to get that kind of tenure to write that long for Marvel these mm-hmm. days is really almost unheard of. So, I mean, yeah. he wants to go out with a big one. He's definitely building for it. Uh, you've got uh, uh, Avengers Annual, issue number one coming out. Uh, Infinite Destinies concludes. The last secret of the Infinity Stones and Infinity Stone Bearers is revealed here. Meet the new character who beats Captain America and Iron Man within an inch of their lives. What saves them? This character's other desires also in this issue. The conclusion of Infinite Fury. Uh, also got to give a shout out to the Avengers comic line and World War She-Hulk because holy fuck, that's insane. Yeah. Spoiler alert, uh, the Red Guard captures her and turns her evil. That's It's freaking nuts what they're doing there. They, they took her to the Red Room and converted her. I like it, the fact that Avengers is going a lot of different directions. They're going fucking nuts. Yeah. Uh, you've got Detective Comics issue number 1042, uh, which the description of this is Batman rampages through the underworld of Gotham, driven to a violent madness courtesy of the jury's vile serum. The Dark Knight crushes bones, makes a scene, and gives costume vigilantes in Gotham a very bad name. But will the jury jury's plan backfire? Can a violent rage machine packed with money, weapons, and an insatiable bloodlust possibly end well for Mr. Worth and his jury? The giant plunge uh, from a building might be the answer. Uh, so, yeah, that's going to be absolutely batshit insane. Yeah, fully. Uh, you've got Horizon Zero Dawn number 2.2 Liberation coming out. So it's a continuation of the Horizon Zero Dawn uh, comic, which is fan-fucking-tastic. Uh, you've got Darth Star Wars Darth Vader issue number 15 uh, coming out. So they're getting real sorts of crazy with that. Uh, you've got Star Wars, The High Republic, uh, you've got the trade paperback volume one coming out, which if you haven't picked that up, I highly recommend it. Uh, Superman 78 issue number one is coming out. So this of course is the continuation. The Uh, Christopher Reeve movie. Christopher Reeve movie. Yeah. So the description of this is fly into director Richard Donner's Superman once more in Superman 78 written by Robert uh, Vendetti, uh, and drawn by Wilfredo Torres. Uh, Superman 78 tells a brand new adventure in the world of the beloved film. A bright, shining day in Metropolis is interrupted by a mysterious drone that crash lands in the city and starts wreaking havoc. This looks like a job for Superman, but where did the metallic menace come from? What is it? What is its purpose? And who is Brainiac? 
definitely a pickup. I, I do love the Superman, you know, 78 film, and I cannot wait to pick that up. Yeah, it definitely looks interesting. Uh, you've got Thor issue number 16 coming out, uh, which is type, uh, titled Revelations Part 2 of 3. Thor, Thor has only known two things, being a warrior and wielding a hammer. But he is realizing that in order to be the best ruler of Asgard that he can be, he must give up those two things. Who is Thor without them? And hostilities between Thor and Odin reach a boiling point as revelations come to uproot Thor's entire world. It's it's fucking nuts. You know, uh, Donnie Cates is still writing. It's fucking insane. Yeah. Uh, and then lastly, you've got Beast War or Transformers Beast Wars issue number seven, uh, which reads Pod Part One. After their first explosive battle, both the Maximals and Predacons have allowed uh, a lull to refresh and regroup. But when the first protoform pod comes down and new, a new entrant to the Beast Wars enters the fray, things are going to change in a major way. But whose slide is Black Arachnia on? So, of course, Black Arachnia, one of the famous and well-popular characters from Beast Wars, is going to get her comics introduction. They definitely want to check that out. Obviously, Beast Wars, I know, is your baby. Uh-huh. And I know you definitely are getting amped up for all this stuff happening with it. And it's definitely a perfect time to pick it up at the comic shop, too. I got to throw in a couple recommendations myself. Boom Studios is dropping once in future 19. So it's a new story arc. So you definitely want to go check that out if you haven't already. They got a lot of really cool stuff coming out of Boom. So definitely want to shout them out. And returning to the shelves. I talked about this on Parlay Points. I freaking love this book. Ninjack number two. Jeff Parker and Javier Polito are bringing Colin King back in a big way. Mm. I'm loving the... I mean, if you're not familiar with Ninjak, I always say he's basically James Bond meets Batman and is absolutely a walking force of nature in the Valiant universe. The first issue definitely hit all the key notes, and this second one is so cool. Like, I'm showing Pad the artwork right here, and I'm telling him, like, because I know how much of a James Bond guy he is. Oh, yeah. I'm reading the comic. It's great. This is such, like, a 70s vibe yeah. to it. Like, it's ultra cool, ultra chic. Yeah. I dig everything about this book. It even, it even looks a little bit like the Bond comic they got going. Yeah. The art style. Yeah. That's like, awesome. Like I said, the art style on this is freaking fantastic. I cannot sing enough praises about this and where they're going for this story arc is anybody's guess, but man, this has such a just a cool vibe to it. I think it might be the coolest co- comic on the racks right now. So definitely, when you swing down to your local comic shops, go pick it up. You will not be disappointed. Trust me. Hit me up on Twitter. Let me know what you think of the series, too, because I am a very, very big Valiant fan, and I'm telling you right now, this is a pick to definitely add in your collection. And as I put on the Parlay Points uh, blog, if this isn't in your pull list, check your pulse. Just saying. Uh, let's keep a comics talk, though. Uh, we do have an official replacement for James Tynan over at Batman. Good luck. Yeah, so Joshua Williamson is going to be taking over writing duties on issue 118. So he's got he's got a tall order because Batman has been real good. Oh, yeah, Batman's been real good. I mean, obviously, we know Tynan is going to his sub-stack mm-hmm. uh, future endeavors. Of, so like I said, there's a lot of stuff breaking with that, so I don't want to jump in too much with what he has lined up because I know that, I mean, Tynan's run has been just nothing short of just freaking incredible. Yeah. So to obviously see there's going to be a new direction going on in Gotham is very cool. And like I said, uh, Williamson has been around DC for a long time now. I'm really excited to see what he's going to bring to the table. Uh, And we're going to see that when it drops on issue 118. So definitely keep an eye out for that when that comes out. Uh, Let's see. Let's keep it going with the DC universe. Okay. Uh, Obviously, there's been a lot of shows coming out this week. So I'm not going to spend a lot of time deep diving into everything 
this week. I know we'll kind of pick and choose what we think you should be checking out. You know I'm a big Stargirl fan, definitely adding more members to the team and the JSA. A very cool introduction for one certain character this week. And like I say, they're starting to hit their stride going into season two. So definitely worth checking out on the CW Titans uh, is still rolling. Obviously last week, shout out to Dre driven too, by the way, for doing uh filling duties while Pat was in on vacation. We went all in on DC Titans. If you like real crazy stories, this one is up your alley because there's been some more moving and shaking going on with the scarecrow taking over Gotham, in my opinion. Ooh. And yeah, I mean, pad, I it's know. on my list to start. It's just I, I got a few things I'm working through. Oh, yeah. No, I'm you, finally working my way through slowly through Invincible. So I, I'll get to Titans eventually. Oh, yeah. No, once you get to Titans, it's going to deliver for you. Like I said, this season, they started off with three strong episodes, like real strong. Mm-hmm. And they're definitely emphasizing about what is going on with the Red Hood. And now obviously, this episode, though, um, number four, entitled Blackfire, deals a lot with Jonathan Crane and Dick Grayson, so there's a lot of back and forth there. Plus, you get a little more background going on with Corey and her situation. Mm-hmm. So it's definitely worth checking out on HBO Max. Can't recommend it enough. And like I said, they've really hit their stride as they've been kicking in the doors with this latest season. So like I say, really happy with a lot that I've seen going on there. And I'm telling you right now, DC is having all wins. And we'd be not doing service if we didn't talk a little bit very briefly about Superman and Lois finale. Yo, Definitely hit a lot of key points. Mm-hmm. I mean, I wasn't really sure how we were going to get there to the finale. No. But they hit a lot of wild points, and they brought it back to a happy ending. Yeah. Which, I mean, is typical Superman. Yeah, oh, yeah. But for a debut season, I thought they hit all the all the check marks. Yeah. They delivered on a lot. I'd say if I had to give it a number rating, 8 out of 10. I think that's a very fair rating for it. I honestly do. I think Tyler Hoechlin has definitely made a case for being the Superman. Uh-huh. Elizabeth Tolick has definitely done a great job being Lois Lane. I appreciate the hell out of the photo she posted on social media the other day. I saw while I was on vacation that they were in the middle of filling one day, and they were between takes, and the wind blew, and it perfectly blew uh, uh, his his hair down so he had the little Superman curl. Oh, nice. his hair, and she's like, don't move, don't move, don't move. And she took the picture, and he's like, what, 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 why? And then she showed him the photo. He's like, oh, okay, that's awesome. Yeah. And they definitely left with a very interesting cliffhanger yeah. for next season, which I was not expecting. No, neither was I. Like, I was figuring, we, you know, once we were gotten there, I'm like, all right, there's not going to be a cliffhanger like I predicted. You know, because I figured they'd leave us something with, holy shit, what the, what's going to happen? And, like, that's a cliffhanger, but I'm like, oh, that's interesting. Yeah, it's a definitely different cliffhanger than we were expecting for the CW. So, very interesting to see what they have lined up for season two. Obviously, that'll be coming sooner than later. Yeah. they got a, uh, longer episodes going on for next season. And like I said, for a big win for reintroducing Clark and Lois and the family to the CW slash DC Comics universe on the small screen, I thought they did an amazing job this season. Just not so many breaks between episodes, please. Yeah, I know. I, I understand the occasional break because holidays and whatever else, but, yeah, but not so many, please. I think that kind of ruined a flow for it for yes. a little bit. Yes, So if you want a little more information on Superman Lois, Dre did a blog for our good friends over at ECA. Hey. So if you want to check out EastCoastAvengers.com, check out Dre's blog he did. Uh, we have rumor he might be doing some work for the ODPH coming up soon, mm. so stay tuned for that. And let me close this show talking about the big announcement that was going on Netflix. Cowboy Bebop mm-hmm. is dropping November 19th. Oh, okay. Now, if you're not familiar with this legendary anime, it is by far and away my favorite anime. Okay. It is absolutely 
amazing. And I will just read off the Variety article because I think they put it a little best because I just fanboy out a little bit when I talk about it. So based on, quote, based on the renowned late 90s anime series of the same name, this live-action reboot is an outer space uh, set western that follows a team of bounty hunters led by Spike Siegel, Jet Black, and Faye Valentine as they hunt down criminals throughout the solar system while each trying to escape dark paths of their own. So we did see that John Cho is playing Spike, Mustafa Shakir is playing Jet Black, and Din- Daniela Pineda is playing Faye Valentine. Okay. Uh, so definitely check it out. I highly recommend the anime. The anime is just on point. One of the best soundtracks you're ever going to hear, period. Mm-hmm. So uh, we did see the, f- the first photos. It looks good. That's it, good. It looks good. Here is the the shot of the team oh, thus okay. far yeah, and if you yeah. see if you've ever seen the anime it's pretty faithful th- thus far from what i've seen i hope the, i hope whatever sax player they hired for the theme is up for the task yeah so that, that theme is legendary oh my god uh like i said i don't want fanboy out too much i have got this date circled on my calendar i will be definitely talking about it here on the odph so expect to hear more as november rolls around so that all being said the music you heard on this episode of the odph is that of our good friend Shout of the Robots? They have something to do with a big event going on called Porch Fest. Mm. Now, if you live in the 607 on the west side, they're going to be playing a lot of live music. I know the the uh, unofficial king of Porch Fest is our good friend Tom Jolu, mm-hmm. who we've heard here on the show. I heard Second Suitor is playing this on Porch Fest as well. So, Pat, if I want to learn more about these bands, where do I go? ODPHpodcast.com. Right on. You swing on over to the music section at the website. You check out all those bands, including everybody else that's on the website, Brian Wolf, Floodlands, Yard Party, all the amazing groups that give us music to play on the show because they're all fantastic people. We endorse them. That's why we plug them each week. Go support them as well. And especially if you live in the 607, go check out where they're playing on Porch Fest. They have all the dates and locations posted on their social medias. I can't do enough justice to it. You need to go search them out yourselves. Mm-hmm. Also, while you're at the website, check out on the classifieds. You can check out friends of the show, such as Excite Wrestling, who have a big show lined up September 12th at the X with some AEW superstars swinging by. Uh-huh. You can also check out Dragon Master Games because they're fantastic people. They are very big supporters of the whole 607 Podcast family. We can't thank them enough. If you need your RPG gaming needs and all types of amazingness, just stop on over, check them out. Can't recommend it enough. Uh, and you can also check out organizational links supporting Black Lives Matter and all the amazing pod groups we are in via their Podchaser pages. Because you're not on Podchaser with your group. You're not in a group. Just saying. Shout out to the Inner Circle. Shout out to the Apocalypse. And shout out to the family over at 607 Podcast, a.k.a. 8122 Productions. Rich Ron, Mike C., and of course, hashtag Big Natty Cool. Still on Twitter. Oh, boy. And I'm sure he's got a lot to say this week. So if you're not signed up for Patreon.com slash 8122Productions, what are you waiting for? One dollar gets you in the door. Three dollars gets you a comfy seat at the table. Anything else I don't want to know about? Because that's Diesel's area, and that's what I say. I leave it up to the doctor of Loveonomics to have that discussion with you. All of that. New blogs on Parlay Points. The T Public Store, where you can go support and get some swag to rock out if you're going to conventions or wherever you're going in the fall of 2021. What can I say? Like, we have a lot of stuff going on at the website, so you need to get familiar with it. ODPHpodcast.com. That's all I got for this week. So for the one and only Padawan J. Uh, two quick things before we go. Uh, we should be getting a Hawkeye trailer in the very near future. Ooh. Sooner rather than later. And then somebody tweeted a video on Twitter saying, most underrated fight seen in the MCU, Strange was God tier, and it's Strange taking on uh, Thanos. Somebody I follow on Twitter for, like, insider stuff I trust very much. 
quote tweeted that tweet and said, in Doctor Strange 2, Wanda will fight someone from the Foxverse. I am not allowed to reveal who it is, but it could top this fight. From the Foxverse. Uh-huh. Magneto. Somebody in the Foxverse is going to be in Doctor Strange 2. I don't think she's fighting Galactus, but that would be wild if she did. I'm your host, Ken M. Thank you for always for listening and supporting everything we do here at the ODPH Podcast, better known as the Ocho Duro Parlay Hour. We'll see you next time. Darkness has crept into